Sometimes what my neighbors must think as they walk past. Oh. Yeah. What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast. I'm Andrea Vernay, joined as always by Miss Christine Steimer. Oh, hello. And Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. Um, I love that you made that face because it reminds me of the thing that my husband said to Steimer and I when we were at breakfast the Friday after E3. Oh, so that good. Brittany always looks like she's got a squirrel in her pants. I have perfected yes. the look of having a squirrel in my pants, although I've never had a real squirrel in my pants before. Oh, we never make this happen. If you ever want to tame a squirrel. A tame squirrel and put it in my pants. Yeah. Perfect. It'll just sit there and we'll have to make the Listen. face for real. Brittany, we have to do this experiment for the people. Oh, fuck yeah, you guys. Easily. I know exactly where you're coming from. That's fine, though. I'll take one for the team. I'll put a squirrel in my pants. It's fine. <laughs> we just have to find somebody who's got a squirrel to give you. Please, um, sir. Can I borrow I'm your squirrel this... so I can put yeah, it in I'm my pants? I'm going to put it on my list. Then you'll probably be like, what sort of weird research? shit are you into? No. <laughs> Research an animal handler to find a squirrel for Britney's pants. Oh um, welcome everybody to our first post E3 episode of What's Good Games. That's right, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff. We hope that you joined us at some point during our sprint through E3. Maybe a marathon, a slog. It was fast, but it was short at the same time. As she said, we did a lot. We did. We, uh, we're at the press conferences. We hosted on the GameSpot co-op stage with Mr. Jake Baldino. You can find that at youtube.com slash GameSpot. We hosted at the Facebook Gaming Live Studio. We did our podcast live from there last week. Um, it's been a really incredible time going back and really looking at all those videos because there was a, there's a lot. There's a lot of content to watch from E3. Uh, do you ladies have like a personal highlight from last week, Britt? <laughs> I think you know the answer to this one. Definitely, of the, course I do. The Resident Evil 2 reveal, I lost my mind. Actually, I went back and watched the PlayStation press conference today, and five minutes before that reveal and five minutes after that reveal are a total blackout for me. I don't remember like anything that happened before or after. I barely remember Control a little bit, and then after that, there was some weird game about some dude in a bathtub, and I was watching it. It was after Resident Evil 2. I don't remember that either. Okay, or maybe it wasn't. So you're talking about Trover Saves the Universe? Yes. The Justin Roiling game, Squanch Games? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Oh. I had absolutely no recollection of that happening whatsoever. I'm watching it. I'm like, this looks really like something I'd probably enjoy. How come I don't remember this? Oh, yeah. I was on blackout from that announcement. Amazing. Awesome. I'm Um, I think it wasn't a specific moment, but being able to go to all the press conferences with you guys was really fun. And that's something that I haven't really... like. Even though I've been to a many many e3s but for the most part you kind of like go alone and then you hope you run into someone there and like can cling to them so being like no we're just rolling through with our little posse it was pretty fun and it was it was a really fun conference where we were like ah oh yeah 
Oh, yeah. Well, we got really great seats. So we walked into the Bethesda conference, you know, because we had RSVP'd, we had assigned seats, uh, which usually never happens. They usually just kind of like find space wherever you can. I really liked the idea of having assigned seats so that way I could relax ahead of the show and I didn't have to like run in to like grab spots. Like an Ubisoft press conference? Uh, one of our, yeah. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, that, that press conference was ridiculous. Like what, 3,000 people or something crazy like that? Um, but what was great is one of our friends from Bethesda found us because we got to there pretty early and was like, Hey, let me get you some better tickets. What we didn't realize is that the tickets that we got put us in like the direct eye line of the camera. So whenever Todd was like on the other side of the stage, Steimer and I were like right behind him mm-hmm. on camera, which is crazy. I still haven't gone back to watch it, but uh, lots of you guys were tweeting to us and letting us know. Uh, that we were on the stream, which was pretty <laughs> They just funny. wanted some pretty girls in the photo. <laughs> That's yeah, why cut I me mean, out. <laughs> oh, no. Right? <laughs> I'm sorry, Brittany. You You're beautiful. Got, you were out of frame. Out of frame. If we had known that we were going to be in frame, we could have, like, squished together a little bit more. But it was already pretty, it was already pretty tight. It was there. pretty messy. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. But all in all, a fantastic week. And we're going to talk lots about E3 in the next couple of segments. Um, but before we get to the news, I have to tell you guys, this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Quip, one of our awesome sponsors. So Quip, for those of you who don't know, are some really snazzy toothbrushes. So the truth is that most of us are brushing our teeth wrong. We're not brushing for long enough, or perhaps we forget to change our brush on time. I know I've been guilty of that. And that's because most brands focus on selling flashy gimmicks rather than better brushing, but not Quip. So what makes Quip difference, you ask? Well, for starters, Quip is an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of the bulkier brushes, while still packing just the right amount of vibrations to help keep your teeth clean. Do I grab the that's what she said pillow? No. Uh, yeah. Quip's built-in timer helps you clean for the dentist recommended two minutes with guiding pulses to remind you when to switch sides. This is important because sometimes, you know, you're on your phone, you're playing Candy Crush, you're looking at Twitter. You don't, you don't get your teeth brushed sides in equally. It's Very important. True. Next, Quip subscription plans are for your health, not just for convenience. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. That is some very affordable, clean bristles. And Quip also comes with a mount that suctions right to your mirror and unsticks to use as a cover for hygienic travel wherever you take your teeth. And most importantly, these are pretty toothbrushes. Stimer, which one's your favorite? Dude, copper looks sick. Right? It's so pretty. And it would match like, my hair. I've never been like, that's a nice looking toothbrush. <laughs> but that's probably the first time I've ever said that. I mean, but like you kind of pick your toothbrush based off how fancy it looks, right? No. Never? I do. I've never had. Well, because a lot of the ones I have before, I don't, I've never, I've never considered toothbrushes in the past to ever be very aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. Until Quip, ladies Until and gentlemen. Until Quip. No, literally, the copper one. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yep. Speaking my language. Plus, everybody loves Quip. They were on Oprah's O-List, named one of Time's Best Inventions, and the first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. That's important, people. So, you're probably asking yourself, oh my gosh, this toothbrush sounds amazing. How do I get it? I'm here to tell you that you go to getquip.com slash what's good right now and you'll get your first refill pack for free with your Quip electric toothbrush and they start at just $25. Brittany, you probably brush your teeth too hard, don't you? Yeah, I do. Sometimes I get some blood in the mouth and it's unpleasant. 
Not you with make yourself Quip. bleed? Yeah. Wait, I, what? I, you make yourself I, bleed? I said, well, if she's talking about her mouth. I had braces for six and a half years. I have really sensitive, stupid gums, and they're very mad at me mm. all the time. Well, hopefully with your new Quip brush, you'll be able to take care of those tooths and make them nice and shiny and sparkly. Again, if you want to get a better mouthfeel experience, ooh, I'm just going with it because I just love the word mouthfeel, you guys. I, no, I like it. That's good. Getquip.com. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash what's good right now. Quip start at just $25 and you'll get your first refill pack for free with your electric toothbrush. Again, that's getquip, G-E-T-Q-I-P. Q-U-I-P, I can spell, dot com, <laughs> slash, what's good. I apologize if I'm a little, like, slow on the draw today. I'm still, like, recovering from E3. I feel like I need, like, a full It's a little bit like, I only got two what days. year is it? You're like, where am I? What's happened? <laughs> oh, yeah. Pretty much. We just made it through Pretty Jumanji. Okay. First story. Xbox insiders got a revamped xbox avatar editor launched this week so ign wrote this up they said at e3 2017 xbox announced that they would be reworking and upgrading their xbox live avatar system and focus more on customization and inclusiveness (coughs) this week xbox wire announced the update would officially be going live for alpha and alpha skip ahead wait what alpha Alpha and alpha xbox insiders skip ahead Wait, is that a thing? I guess, apparently. Skip ahead Xbox insiders. Those are the special insiders. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, June 19th, uh, by 12 p.m. Pacific time is when it goes live. So that was just a couple days ago. Uh, so when the update goes live, insiders will be able to access the beta Xbox avatar editor via the Xbox insider hub insider content tab. These are a lot of words. They are. It's hard. (laughs) They are. They are. Once once in the editor, you will be greeted by new categories that are more inclusive and include, quote, a wide range of body types and gender neutral clothing and include new appearance items and accessories, including fingernails, makeup, limbs, (laughs) nose rings, and moves. The fingernails is funny to me because I'm like, (laughs) I mean, I know that you don't really have whoops them on the current ones but just thinking about them adding i don't know it's a weird thing to be like now you have fingernails You're like what I, I didn't have them before i think that means that you can change no the color you can it nails, does right? it's just the way that it's worded is sort of strange correct i agree limbs <clears throat> i like that they added that though it's mm-hmm. something that we, as people with all of our limbs, don't stop to think about. Exactly. So I'm really glad that they have included that to accommodate people who maybe are missing a limb mm-hmm. or multiple limbs to say, hey, you know what? We want you to play on Xbox too. We want you to feel represented, especially when we're talking about, you know, making an avatar that's supposed to be your digital representation of yourself. I think that that's really awesome. Um, cool. So these items and accessories can further be customized as most features will be able to support over 16 million color options. This oh is my God. Duke, the, the colors. This is the depth of news I want post E3. This requires no thinking, no analysis. <laughs> it's like cool. I could have colored fingernails now. Congratulations. This you is could perfect. have one of 16 million different colors of fingernails. Okay, that's a little overwhelming. I mean, that's a cool number to throw out there, but ow, my brain. So many pretty colors. You could uh, have one for the rest of your life. You still wouldn't be able to. I don't even know if I'm going to actually take the time to edit my avatar. I give no shits about my avatar. I honestly don't care. She's still my avatar. Her- no, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I thought you were done. No, no. I'm saying she's still rocking her Dragon Age T-shirt that I gave her like five years ago. She hasn't changed since. She's probably really smelly. 
but mine Stammer. cannot uh, change because she's in a Governor Marley outfit, and that's my gamer tag. So like, but, that's the outfit for all eternity. Are you going to spend a long time going through these 16 million colors? Because I know you care about your avatars and your character creations and shit. I mean, I'm pretty good with how she looks. I mean, I might go through to see, like, how the hair's changed. (laughs) Because I remember before the hair options were a bit limited. So, you know, I might might go through and, like, give myself some fingernails. (laughs) I haven't – I also haven't updated my avatar in a while because when Xbox One launched, you never saw your avatar. And even now, there's really not a lot of places you can see your avatar. But I do like how um, they're more prevalent, like, in the app and on the website. But I was one of the parts of the new Xbox One interface coming from 360 that I was really bummed about because I spent a lot of money on avatar items. Um, I still have my, my portal gun prop. Nice. Where, you know, she holds the portal gun and like shoots a hole in the ground and then the companion cube like goes in between the portals. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I'll have to go, uh, I have to go check it out. So great job, Xbox. Like to see your, Thinking about inclusivity. We actually also had a really great interview with the, um, one of the project managers on the hardware side to talk about the Xbox One adaptive controller, uh, on the Facebook gaming live studio. So if you guys want to check that out, it was a, a really fun interview talking about how that project came together and its capabilities and kind of showing off what it can do. Uh, really neat, really cool stuff. All right. Cyberpunk won't have loading screens. According to this article from IGN, CD Projekt Red's associate design director, Kyle Rowley, has confirmed that other than starting the game up, its highly anticipated RPG will be totally seamless. Quote, there are no loading screens after the initial load into the game, end quote. <laughs> Rowley, this, <laughs> is like, this is some like real thick news. Cyberpunk thick, like a big stew. Discord. <laughs> that suggests that the game world's six regions are interconnected rather than traveled between using menus as in The Witcher 3. Um, cool. cool. Well, my thing with this is like, I, I kind of don't <laughs> believe that it's possible on current generation hardware. That's a Maybe lot of Maybe this game is never coming out on this gen. I know. That's what I'm saying. So I'm like, if you're talking about this, that, that leads me to believe this game can't can't come out anytime soon because that's yeah. bonkers bananas not so bonkers bananas so, not so yeah yeah so i know that we talked about this a little bit during our best of e3 re- recap because you two got to see the demo and i skipped the demo to go play some other stuff since i needed to get more hands-on time and i was like first off we have to split up second um they're definitely going to show this game at e3 again next year because it's not oh, coming yeah. out before then so Absolutely. i was like well it's not playable it's not hands-on for judges so i might as well just you know someone's got to go play rage 2 i guess it had to be me oh man <laughs> we appreciate um, you baby girl you know what i'm taking one for the team okay <laughs> so did, i wonder if they're did. just gonna be hiding the loading screens behind like elevators you know like we saw the demo timer there was like a, an, mm. a, a pretty long elevator ride you know and it's like oh, i bet they're loading up oh the mass effect oh there you go why is <laughs> this elevator ride five seconds longer than the last one oh probably because the game is chugging uh but yeah i think that's probably that's cool i you know it keeps you immersed that's wonderful you know maybe there'll be like a super snazzy subway train that'll take you from district to district and region to region and you'll just be in a seamless just hang out train. on it yeah it'll perfect yeah. Yeah. maybe i do want to yeah. talk more about not here not now but uh a little bit later about cyberpunk and the demo we saw because we, we discussed it on the facebook stage we didn't have like a whole lot of time and I have 
things some, to say. Some things to say. She has feelings. And I do have feelings. Let's do it. I'm ready. I'm ready for all of your feelings, Steimer. Oh, Ooh, boy. I'll um, give them to you. Ooh. Until then, how about another story? Did you pull all of the stories from IGN? Um, no, there's one from GameSpot and then one from Polygon, <laughs> but most are from IGN because I was lazy. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Um, all right. Fallout 76. Stealth mode takes you off the map. Bethesda has revealed Fallout 76 will include a stealth mode, which allows you to disappear from the mini-map so other players can't find you. Perfect! In a video posted to the official Fallout Twitter account, Jeff Guardian... Gardine, Gardiner? Gardner? Gardner. Gardner. Uh, project lead for Fallout 76. Jeff, I'm sure we'll get to talk at some point. I will f- learn how to pronounce your name. He asks... Uh, uh, somebody asked him, how do sneak perks and detection work in Fallout 76? Of course, sneak, one of my favorite things to do in... The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Um, Gardner responded, As soon as you crouch, which engages our stealth mode, the dot, a.k.a. your character mark, will very quickly fade away so other players won't be able to find you. End quote. The ability to disappear from the minimap allows players to both ambush unsuspecting enemies and avoid unwanted PvP battles or griefing. Bethesda already has some safeguards in place to prevent these issues in its first entirely online entry into the Fallout series, including the inability to be killed by the same player over and over again. So Pete was talking about this. Pete Hines, uh, who is the front man for Bethesda, who you guys saw on stage at the Bethesda press conference, came by the Facebook stage and we had a nice long chat about a lot of things that Bethesda was working on, obviously Fallout being one of them. And he made it, um, made it clear that Bethesda is widely aware of griefing and that because it's their first entirely online Fallout that they want to make sure to promote and foster a place of safety for players who don't want to engage in any of the multiplayer activities. But the way that he kind of likened it was that imagine if you were went into an area of Fallout and there was a death claw that just was there and you always ran into him and you just weren't prepared to fight him or he just kept killing you. Well, what you would do is you would avoid that town or you would go take a wide berth around them and you would just, you know, essentially avoid confrontation. He's like, well, that's what we're trying to encourage people to do in Fallout 76. It's like if you run into an encounter with another player, you know, when you respawn, we'll make sure to not respawn you right next to this player. Um, or they'll, you'll, I don't know how the respawning is going to work with the saves. Yeah, he didn't yeah. mention Something. specifics. The way he said it, um, I was on the interview with you, was essentially you can just say you can go after that player if you want to keep engaging to try to defeat them but at any time you can just wipe your hands and be like all right i'm done and then that's it now i didn't i didn't know if he specifically said you can walk away from that character you won't respawn next to that character it almost makes it seem like you can engage or not engage whenever you want to and i don't really know how that works because if another player if that player finds me how am i going to prevent that player from killing me again yes timer stick the fingers yeah. out well, that, that, that's my, when, when the, the death claw thing doesn't work because the death claw is an AI program to like sit there until you engage. Well, not, you know, they're a little more aggro, but you know what Do I mean? Do you have like, a death claw on your finger right now? What is that? Is it's that a, hair a hair claw. claw? It's a hair claw. I mean, <laughs> Sorry. Oh, um, <laughs> death claw, hair claw, finger claw. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> but, if, but players are much smarter than your death claws AI and have the potential to grief you a hell of a lot more than that can. And then if you're I'm with if you're you, like, yeah. hey, I'm gonna I wanna go to this place and you run into something along the way, aka another player that's being a butthead to you, 
And then it's like, okay, we'll respawn you somewhere else. I'm like, but I was, I had, I was going somewhere. I right. was doing a thing. I it, had my path laid he also out. Said, you're me. not going to lose progress when you, are, if you are killed. So, it, cause he also, he was talking about how he doesn't like griefing now PVP, like, Basically, he's like me in the sense that I don't like to be killed over and over again. I don't like to be grief. That's not good. So the no. feeling I get, and again, he wasn't going to specifics, was you're not going to lose progression. It doesn't sound like they're going to spawn you way off the map. It almost sounds like there's going to be an ability to, to turn off and turn on PvP. I don't know if that's the route they're going, but that's kind of like the sense that I'm mm. getting is you can flip that switch on or off whenever you want, which is wonderful, which is great. I'm all about that because I'll just get griefed all to hell because I don't, I don't like confrontation. Yeah, I don't. Well, we'll just always like roll either. together, Britt. We'll Rolling, just always, always just with go homies. through the wasteland as a as a crew. Um, yeah. So this is, I mean, this is cool. I'm excited to see how it's going to go. Obviously, you know, they have a lot of work to finish before the game launches this I fall. Isn't feel it crazy like there's that it no launches way this game November? Can come out this fall. You think because, it's going to get pushed? Well, here was my issue when they announced the beta. I'm like, the beta, you're not giving yourself enough time to actually fix anything if you find out it's horribly broken. And then you're trying to push it out in the fall. To me, any beta that's that close to its release date is more of a demo than it is anything else. And you can do server stress tests, but if you're like actually trying to fix something that you figure out is broken, I don't think it's enough time. So uh, we'll see. That's the only part I'm skeptical of. I'm like, all right, this is an interesting concept. We'll we'll figure out how it all works with PvP and PvE. But um, it's a little aggressive, I think, considering it is their first online, entirely online uh, Fallout game. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it makes the fall date as well. I mean, I hope it does. I'm curious. I wasn't I wasn't sold until I heard like the griefing. You don't have to worry about it. And now I'm, I'm all about it. I want to roll with you guys. I want to make. I mean, town. I need more specifics on that and how that works. But I, I like the idea the that, they're, that they're thinking about it and they are working towards solutions. Like that's a great sign. Yeah, I kind of want them to slip because <laughs> I look at this game, which is like another giant game, four times the size of Fallout Four, which is humongous. Coming out just mere weeks after Red Dead 2. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, I'm not going to have time to do both of these giant games. So I kind of wanted to slip. But knowing, um, you know, how committed Bethesda Game Studios is to the Fallout franchise and how excellently I think they were able to announce, promote, and then release Fallout 4, I believe in their ability to to get this done. But the Fallout 4 is a single-player game. They could, they could, I mean, I mean, it's easier. I mean, quote unquote easier. <laughs> no game development is easy. Not saying that, but like, it's easier to be like, okay, this is our single player, uh, uh, launch date and be able to make that, that it is an online thing because online, you just don't know. And with that amount of players going in and trying to like break stuff, which we all know things in Bethesda games break. <laughs> so well, I mean Todd Todd even said as much, right? Like they totally poked fun at themselves with the like the break at early testing, right? Like when they announced Absolutely. The I love that. Again, I just think their ba- their break it early whatever is just too close for my taste to their targeted launch date. I would just be happy if half the game slip. Push them back to like spring-ish. Because, you know, the way the way it is right now... It's um, all February right spring now. Is, spring <laughs> is wide open. There's nothing coming out next spring. <laughs> oh, God. I know. You know what? We're spoiled for choice, and we can't complain about that. So 
Hooray for video games, you guys. Hooray. Yeah. Who fucking yeah. Speaking of a game that won't be out for quite some time. Great segue, Steimer. Beyond Good and Evil 2. They have announced that they are going to be doing a beta at the end of 2019. Yes, you heard correctly. According to Michael or Michelle Ansel, the director of Beyond Good and Evil 2, this was written up by GameSpot, the first playable beta for the Ubisoft title won't launch until the end of 2019. That is more than one year away. Considering Ubisoft typically launches demos or betas for games several months prior to an official release, it's probably safe to say that Beyond Good and Evil 2 is currently scheduled for no sooner than 2020. Well, we all knew that. The informal announcement came via Instagram posts in a post of a screenshot of Beyond Good and Evil 2. Also responded to a user comment asking for clarification on the title's release date by saying we aim for a playable beta for the end of next year. Now, Ubisoft has not responded, but could this be the end of next fiscal year or the end of next calendar year? Those good old fiscal years, man. I know, right? They always Uh, throw a wrench at everybody. This game is is a ways away. We yeah, knew yeah. this. Yeah. It's but a bummer it because... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Steimer. Oh, no. I just said it looks beautiful. It does. I want, I want it. I love that Jade is back, that she made an appearance. I love that they gave Paige a nice, long, starring role in this cinematic trailer. I like that we got like what looks like a little bit of gameplay, but um, when we were watching The Last of Us Part 2 stuff, I think, Steimer, I like when she said to you like as an aside like oh i always don't like it when they don't show the hud because it doesn't feel real it feels like this is like highly choreographed gameplay instead of like when the hud is there the heads up display with all the graphical information i feel like it feels a little bit more real like this is what the gameplay actually looks like um and you were like but i like it without the hud and i was like well yeah it looks better without the hud but doesn't feel they did have they, they had the items. They had interface, yeah. It just it only pops up when you need it. Yeah. yeah. For for two, um, to clarify, not for Beyond Good and Evil. But all right, friends. You two care about Beyond Good and Evil far more than I do. Knowing that we're probably not getting this game sooner than twenty twenty. Would would you have preferred that they had waited to announce it? Or are you happy they announced it when they did? I'm glad they announced it when they did because the rumors had been swirling for years about this game. Concept art had been leaked. There were rumors and other all these other kinds of information that was just trickling out. So I think it's good that Ubisoft came out and was like, yes, we're making this. Also, I'm sure Yves was like, could you guys please stop fucking asking me where Beyond Good and Evil 2 is? Because <laughs> every year somebody asks him at E3 or at Paris Games Week or at Gamescom. They're like, hey, Yves, you said that Ubisoft is still working on this game. Where is it? So he's probably like, I don't fucking know. I'm running the whole company. I'm trying to fight off Vivendi, which they successfully did. So, <laughs> he's I like, I know. got other fish to fry. <laughs> exactly. So I'm sure he was like, let's just announce it and be done with it and let people know we're working on it. Um, I'm bummed that it's still so far away. I'd hoped that after all of these years that they would be much farther along, but clearly they're not. Uh, or maybe they are just, they've gone back to the drawing board. I mean, this is clearly a gigantic reboot, right? So um, it's the even the visual style is a huge departure from the first game. But I have so many questions. Like, is the photo mode coming back? I hope there so. has to, I mean, look at how beautiful that game is. They, they need a photo mode of some kind in there. You, that would just yes. be a total missed opportunity. I agree. 
All right. So the next story we have here. The final American story. American Dolls plus Xbox. What is this story? It's not a headline. Brittany, did you it's add just- this? <laughs> <laughs> it's just what I wrote. <laughs> All right, this is from Polygon. It says, American Girl and Xbox have joined forces to bring the ultimate toy to the next generation, an Xbox gaming set designed for an American Girl doll. Okay, you have my attention. (laughs) Uh, For just a fraction of the price of a real Xbox One S, your child and their American Girl doll can now game alongside one another with this perfectly doll-sized gaming set. The doll is not included, but if you toss it in one of the create-your-own-dolls for $200... It'll be more than the Xbox itself. Hold American on. Girl Wait, dolls are not cheap. Up. American okay, Girl so dolls this are doll, very so, expensive. Uh, Brittany, are you familiar with what American Girl is? Yeah. Okay. So American <laughs> Girl for people out there yeah. who are like, "Wait, what?" It's like a very highly collectible doll line, and they have names, and they have a long history, and they come in a variety of different um, different colors and ethnicities and outfits and time periods. So they're and exotic they're- Cabbage Patch Kids is what you're telling me. They're very yes. fancy Cabbage Patch Kids, yes. Yes. So this picture from American Girl showcases a doll sitting in a mini gaming chair, which is so cute. She's got camo pants on with these little sneakers and she's got like what looks like a, like a denim vest with like a hoodie jacket thing combo mm-hmm. on. It's really cute. She's holding a mini Xbox One controller, a white Xbox One controller. And she's got a, like a peach colored gaming headset on with a boom mic coming across her face and everything. And alongside of it, there is the mini replica of the white Xbox One S. And it comes with two games. Blocks one game, and Dancer is what it looks like. The name's Yeah, I can't them. read it. And then the, the little, I don't know what that little cartridge is. I guess that's supposed to be like the game disc. I think so. You guys, this, like, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is really it. cute. I feel like I need to get this. I Girl, need to have this in my life. Can't you just buy it? Okay, hold on. I, I missed this. So it's they're not selling the doll itself. The, the, so these are sets that you can buy for the dolls you already have. So I could so go to American like Girls, Target. You, you buy the dolls, and then you can buy accessory sets for them. So, so they're selling an Xbox accessory set. So could I go to like Target and buy a doll for like 20 bucks and then buy the set separately? It not this- might not fit. Oh, that's fine. Right. Okay. So the the gaming chair that she is in apparently has a built-in speaker, what? which is amazing. And um, so this is... Her chair is fancier than the chair I'm sitting in right now. Oh, oh, the Xbox... So it, pro- oh, okay. So the Xbox so, projects 10 different gaming images. So those little discs, they're like those little things that we used to play oh, with back in the day yeah. that you would put in the little like red the viewfinder, camera. right? Yeah. Yeah. So it says, oh, so, so Major Nelson tweeted that the Xbox gaming set includes a console, the controller, the headset, and the gaming chair. So, um, this doll that they have here, I don't, her outfit must be the outfit that this doll comes with. It doesn't say which doll this is in the photo. Well, that's freaking Um, precious. But I absolutely love this and I want it. And the gaming set is $50. Okay, that's step one. Buy the gaming set. Step two, find a doll. It's not two hundred dollars. I mean, I know it's funny because yeah. it's like I, I'm someone someone who will spend two hundred plus dollars on a collector's edition for a video game, but I'm like a doll, a quality doll. There's no way. 
but you guys, no, it's fair. I don't even know. I don't even know what to do here with this about which doll I, I want to get. Oh no! But like, I'm I mean, just the I the doll it. of the it. year. Like, now I'm doll shopping. Oh my gosh, the girl of the year. Her name is Luciana. I, she's got a dream of landing on Mars, so she's like Molly. But I don't know if you actually want to land on Mars. Molly, Molly. Like, does Molly want to go to Mars? Um, no, we saw we saw Molly at E3. Uh, but my teamwork skills still need work. I have to learn how to reach others if I want to reach the stars. Oh, so she's got flaws, this doll. Um, but she's they cute. They huh. all do. Nobody's perfect. But she's one hundred and fifteen dollars. Wow. So oh, I wonder. This expensive. must be how people look at me when I like want to buy video game collectibles because I'm looking at these and like eighteen dollars for a doll outfit. I could get myself an actual shirt that I could wear for eighteen dollars. One hundred and fifteen dollars for a doll itself is just going to sit on a shelf and stare at me all day. That's what my video game collectibles do all day. Yes. Yeah. And technically, you hey. can, like your kids play with these dolls. So. I mean, well, I play you with can, but you probably don't want you can, to. But you probably wouldn't because you'd be like, mm, these dolls are not for playing. And then ah. you're like, well, what's the point? So I, I guess I, I understand everyone has their thing that makes them whirl and click and everything that floats their boat, sharpens their their, their knife, uh, flips their switch, et cetera, et cetera. Sharpens their knife. Just I keep like going. Just so, keep hey, going. Um, turns their crank. Yep. Did I ever say floats Wait, their boat? There, Luciana looks like Dora. Shines their lights. She's buttons the their pants. Zips their fly. Ties their shoe. You know, Brittany, I love you. American yeah. girl dolls—they look <laughs> creepier than I remember them. You've seen too many <laughs> horror movies, Simer. Like, um, you guys, the, there's a doll called the Willa doll who's got pigtails, and she's adorable, and I kind of want her. Also, she's only sixty dollars. Oh, that's, poor that's, cheap that's doll. Game. That's poor sheep doll. <laughs> well, look at how cute she is. Oh I don't my know. Gosh. I've seen too many oh, movies. She's got freckles, and her eyes are the same color as mine. Okay, I think I need to buy her. You do it. What's her name? I love it. You're like I'm as fine. Her name is Willa. Willa. Okay. Well, oh, Willa. Tra- Willa trademark. Willa TM. <laughs> Does, <laughs> like Willa, Willa Ford. Says. Like Willa Ford. Yeah, I want to W I L A Willa. Look her up on the American so website. Good. She's real cute. Um, okay, you guys, we're down to doll rabbit hole. I never thought um, I would. I, I want to be bad, bad. Okay, Brittany, Brittany, calm down. <laughs> no, don't, don't dampen. Don't dampen. Go, Br- Brittany, go. I know. Just keep Simon going. my moment. I, w- I was singing Willa Ford. I was having a good time. And that's it. My, my parade has been rained on. My ship has been sunk. It was beautiful. Oh, my pencil has that broken. Serious. Okay, stop me, stop um, okay. Me. so there probably was some more news this week, but because we had to record the show early, uh, we didn't get to it all because I am going out of town for a little much needed R&R. So we are um, we're recording the show early this week, but we do have lots more E3 stuff to talk about. So we're going to take a very short break right now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what we played because we got hands-on with quite a few games at E3 last week. Um, and then we're a little bit later, we're going to take your questions. So stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. back everybody this is segment two of the what's good games podcast where we are going to talk about what we've been playing and this week 
I marathoned Detroit Become Human. We are going to do our spoiler cast next week. You have been warned you have one more week to finish the game if you want to get in on the spoiler cast for next week. And I'm happy to announce friend of the show and my co-host over at Kind of Funny Games Daily, Greg Miller, is Oi. going to be joining us for the show next week. Uh, we've been trying to get him on for quite some time. We know that a lot of you out there are also best friends and watch Kind of Funny content and have asked, you know, when is Greg going to come on the show? And uh, we finally were able to make our schedules align. And because he was such a big fan of Detroit, we were like, do you want to do the spoiler cast with us? And he was like, yes, I do. Um, so he's going to be on the show next week. Again, if you guys are not part of our Patreon community, patreon.com slash what's good game. So in that $10 tier, you can get access to our live pre-show with Mr. Miller. So if you're interested, check it out. Um, okay. So ladies, uh, let's see here. Um, what should we start with? I don't know. What do you want to start with? Anything? Anybody have something comes to mind that you're like, ah, I've been burning to talk about this. Champing at the bit. I've champed at the bit to talk about Pokemon. Of okay. course you have. Tell us all yeah, about it. Yeah, so we didn't get a chance to talk about Nintendo in our E3, best of E3 recap, like, at all. Yeah. And so, yeah. Brittany, lay it on us. Lay it on you. Okay, so I had a booth tour, and I only got to play a certain amount of games for, like, a little amount of time. But the first thing I hopped into was Smash Brothers. Now, I am not, like, a well-versed Smash player. I like following the series. I like watching the professional scene. But when it comes to actually playing it, I'm a hot garbage mess. That said, I did run into one Alexa Ray, Korea, at the Nintendo booth. And Yay, Alexa! Yeah! And she said, hey, if you're going to play Smash, play as Ridley, you know, the new character. And I was like, okay, uh-huh. I'll, I'll try that. And I kicked ass as Ridley. So I haven't played in a long time. So I played with the woman who was demoing the station, and I played with Nintendo PR friend Gil. And I won, like, two out of the three rounds against both of them. So, Ridley's a little overpowered. It did it did play New well. characters usually are. Oh, yeah. It was awesome, though. I, I, I was very happy. And everyone around me was sweating because they were all intense. And I, I was cool as a cucumber. I'm like, I'm kicking all of your asses right now. <laughs> I was using all the down smashes. So, the game did feel faster than I'm used to. I can't really give, like, a super critical opinion on it because I don't know. I don't play the game as much as I watch it. But it was fun, and I asked Gil if they had announced any of the new modes or if there are any new modes, and of course, they're not talking about those right now, but that's the thing I'm really hoping for is a single-player mode, like an adventure mode or maybe something where you can play with your friends. Uh, we couldn't play against the AI for whatever reason. Maybe it wasn't ready. Maybe it just was being tweaked. But the game that I did get to play next, what, well, then I played Overcooked 2. And that was the wrong game. Did you play with someone? Yes, with two other people. And that was the wrong game to play on the last day of E3. That was a very, very bad idea. Because I, Hmm. when you ladies have played Overcooked, I have just watched you play and I moderate checks. There was no way in hell I was hopping into that fire shit show. (laughs) (laughs) Why? It's so fun. It It was super fun. Sure. Great. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. But when I hopped into it, they were like, okay, they knew what they were doing. And I my brain was not functioning. And I was like, I can't even deal with this right now. So I just washed dishes when they popped up and they floated the boat. But they're doing some new things. I know, Andrea, you got to play that, right? At Judges Week? 
Yeah, so I got to play Overcooked 2 during Judges Week and trying to keep that game a secret until E3 was like, oh my god, I'm so excited for this game. Um, so I was really pumped because they kind of unlocked the build for us, which meant that we could go to any of the worlds to look at all of the different changes that they've made and the additions. And I was playing with Greg and with Brandon Jones from Easy Allies, which was fun in and of itself that we got to play together. And we decided we're like, screw it let's go to the hardest level and oh my gosh did we get our asses kicked um so the sushi making is one of the new things one of the new recipes for overcooked too which is crazy because it's like four or five ingredients depending on which type of sushi you have to make and so it's a lot to manage with like the seaweed and the fish and then you have to boil the rice on the stove and then bring the cooked rice back over and like it's just a lot going on and the kinds of cool add-ins that they do for each of the different levels was is really kind of what brings it over the difficulty spike for me. So for example, there was one level that kind of was Harry Potter themed where you had to go through a portal to deliver the food on like the other side of the map. Oh boy. So you would be making part of the food on one side and then you would have to jump back and forth through the portals with different ingredients. And then once it was done, you would have to go back to like drop it off at the window. I was like there, this is, this is beyond my brain capacity. I can't do it. But that game looks great. It plays great. It's on Switch, which is such a perfect platform for it. Um, and I definitely look forward to playing with you both. Yeah. That, that fried my brain. Uh, next game I played was Pokemon Let's Go. And the, which one? Eevee or Pikachu? Pikachu. And, um, I got to the station and they said, Hey, you know, you have a few minutes, have fun. But if we at any moment rip the switch out of the docking station and say, ah, oh, you can't do that. You're not supposed to see that. They said, don't be startled. And so I think what I, I'm surprised what? they had. I, I'm surprised that they had what they had there. I think they aren't very ready to show a lot of gameplay yet for that reason. I don't know if they're holding some surprises or if it's like a technical issue. What I'm trying to say is I think it was, it still felt very early. Um, so prefacing with that, when I had the Pokeball, I had the Pokeball Plus in my hand and did you steal it? I, oh yeah, I used that bad boy. I, I juggled it around. <laughs> it was wonderful. Uh, so as you know, or may not know, I'm going to tell you right now if you don't. The B button is on top of the Pokeball. Now, the Pokeball is scaled to be... Yeah, girl, you got me with that pillow. <laughs> the Pokeball is scaled to be like the actual size of the Pokeball that you see in the anime. And, you know, you tap the top of it, or Ash does, and then it like, expands in size. <laughs> yeah, it does. Please give me that pillow. That's what she... Thank you so much. Um, and the, at the top of that is the B button. And then the little analog stick, which is the center of the Pokeball, you tap that in, and then that's your A button. And that's how you play the game. Uh, so I had the Pokeball Plus in my hand. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm here. And I had that moment of this is this feels magical. This is pretty freaking cool. And then I started moving with the Pokeball Plus, And I don't know if it's a clunky issue or if the fact I'm not used to controlling with a ball in my hand. But uh, <laughs> it just didn't feel very, uh, I guess, you know, I've been playing games my whole life. And I was, like, having problems <laughs> really that goddamn pillow. I was having problems, like turning on a dime and going where I wanted to go. And again, it could just be because I wasn't used to playing a game that way. Or it could just be that the control is a little wonky. So I moved around a bit. I had one trainer battle and that played like you would expect it to. And if you played any of the prior Pokemon games, those are the one places where you do have the traditional battle system. 
And then I walked into the tall grass. Now, the Pokemon spawn in Pokemon Let's Go, which is new. So you actually see them. So I ran into a Pidgey and I caught my Pidgey. So the way you catch the Pokemon is, is you throw the Pokeball Plus. At least that's what I did because that's what I was using. And the first time I tried to do like a pitcher throw and my ball went all the way sideways. It was real bad. I was like, okay, that was embarrassing. That was real bad. You completely missed? I completely missed. Okay. Um, so I said, okay, I'm going to try an underhand throw. I did an underhand throw. My accuracy was still a little off, but I tried it again. And then I actually hit the Pidgey and I caught the Pidgey. So obviously, like, I want to love this game and I'm very excited for it. But that's a concern that I think we've all had since the beginning is how accurate is this going to actually be with the tracking? Um, and do you think, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. do you think that... It'll be kind of like a lot of other motion-based Nintendo games. You can kind of cheese it. Probably. Yeah, I would imagine so, because you're able to do that with all of the other Nintendo motion games, right? You've got to find right. the right wrist flick. Yeah, the right wrist flick, or, or something that you can do. Like, I remember in a Zelda puzzle, if I just shook the um, the controller, I was able to fix... I was able to do the physics-based motion puzzle by just by shaking the controller. So I imagine, like, you can cheese it some way with this, too. Um, so... Yeah, we'll see how that goes. They have time to polish it up. Not a lot of time, but they have some time. The extra interesting thing worth noting is that in Pokemon Go, if you just stick your finger on the screen and you swipe it, you know, it's an instant throw. Whereas when you're actually throwing the ball, it's kind of like you have to account, you have to count for the time it takes you to like swing your hand. Cause you ha- what's going on is that circle is closing in on the Pokemon and you have to try to get your Pokeball to hit in the center. So that's just something you'll have to tweak. Not a big deal, but it was something that I wasn't expecting, but that makes total sense. Um, Let's see. What is another thing I want to talk? Okay. So because there aren't, <laughs> because there aren't traditional battles when you're catching the Pokemon, this is a concern I have is when you want to catch the Pokemon, you can't whittle it down to like it's in the, its health is in the red and then throw your ball at it. You have to just give it like a berry and throw a ball at it and hope for the best. So when I was talking to the guy who was giving me the demo station, he said a level three Caterpie escaped an Ultra Ball. Now, I'm sorry. Simer, Travesty, what? you better go get that Caterpie. See, Andrea's like, ha ha, ha that rhymed. What is, what is that? <laughs> I love you. So, no, Simer, you, you get what I'm saying is that there's yeah. that, that algorithm, that catch rate, <laughs> that if you come across a Pokemon that's rare, you don't. That, that's that's dumb. You should be able to catch a level three Caterpie just by like breathing on it. Like that's how you yep. should. Yeah, yeah. It should just so they should just automatically follow you. Right. You're a level three. You just follow me, bitch. You ain't shit. You're weak. Yeah. Until you turn into that Metapod. I don't want to hear your bullshit. Anyway, I also don't want you as a Metapod. You just all you can do is harden. harden. <laughs> that's true. It just hardens. Anywho, um, so I, I had my battles. <laughs> I caught a few Pokemon, and then I noticed that again. This is probably just something that they will fix, but it was. I feel like I need to note. As soon as my battle was over, I didn't have like one or two seconds of invincibility. So I was kicked right back into a battle because of a Pokemon that spawned before I went into my prior battle. So, you know, typically, you know what I'm saying? Like typically in games like yeah. that, you have like a second or two to get away and then like prepare yourself and do what you want to do. That was not an option. Um, okay. So that's, those are my opinions from this demo. Obviously still early. They still have time to. Do what they want to do. I'm going to play this game no matter what. I'm very excited for it. Um, I just hope that they fix these little things that I was, that I mentioned. So are there actual quests? Like, uh, can you go to the shops? Can you talk to NPCs? You know, like Pokemon stuff? 
Yeah, I'm sure you can. I mean, I would be surprised if you couldn't, but I was just stuck to the forest. So I wasn't able to do any of those things. We had a recorder to... show. Okay. So I only had, sense. yeah, like 10 minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the potential is there. I just hope these kinks are worked out so we get the Pokemon experience, you know, that we want from this. I'm remaining right. optimistic. I think this is very early. And again, they even prefaced it with like, hey, this is, you know, we're surprised we even have this here. So it's not like but they were like, the hey, it's coming out this year. Is yeah. it out in October? October or November? One or the other. That's I think it's not that far the, away. Look at the release I date. I know. <laughs> so again, I'm trying what? to be the optimistic Brit that I always am, but I, I November 16th, November 16th. So there's time. I mean, that's not that far away. They have to be in certification like in September. <sighs> Thankfully, <laughs> these issues weren't that big, but uh. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll oh, see. No. I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Everything will be fine. It'll be great. Like the, like the poster it's of good, my wall. Guys. Everything will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. There, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Everything will be okay. Okay. Well, fingers crossed, I guess. And it wasn't a bad experience. It was just a few things that I'm like, hey, you know, please optimize. Make this a little better. That's all. Okay. I understand. Yeah. That's fair. Um, Stimer. Yeah. You played Spyro. I did. Honestly, I'm going to be real with you. Be real. Not much to say besides it's Spyro, but better looking. Okay. <laughs> like, as okay. I was playing it, I was like, oh, yep. This is an old game. Like, <laughs> like if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking to like reminisce and enjoy, by all means, I think you'll like it. But, um, for me, I was kind of like, oh yeah, I forgot. Like, this is, the, this is, it's the simplicity of older games that I had kind of forgotten about. Um, cause really you just blow fire on things, which I'm down with. Yeah. And, uh, run away from them or like speed up like so that's it like you just you just you just breathe fire on people hopefully they don't kill you first and then you platform a little bit there was the platforming annoyed me a little bit i had to do this one jump like like three or four times because i'm used to now how many times games like three or four times three or four times here let me just here let me hear me out okay um, number one, there, there ain't that many lives for you to run through because old game. Uh, and then two, I, I'm used, I'm spoiled now. A lot of times in video games now you get to the edge of the thing and your character like just, you know, you make it right. Like you auto climb up, mm-hmm. but they, I had this one thing where you had to you you do a run, run, jump and make it onto the next platform. And there was I kept fucking hitting the edge. Did you go and he face first stupid into little the spiral would just bounce off and I'd be like, God damn it. And then he would just fall to his death and I'd be like, great, cool. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I you- kind of want to watch this gameplay footage back. I wish you would have recorded it. I know, me too. Okay. So it, it feels like an old game. It doesn't feel like besides graphically, they've made improvements to make it feel like, or modifications to make it feel like a modern game. No, 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 no. And, and, and we were talking to them and I don't think that was ever their intention. Sure. It is, it is meant to be the old classic game, but just better looking. And I am here to report that is exactly what it is. Perfect. <laughs> they did it. They it's did the fire. Yeah. But HD. Woohoo. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. <laughs> um, well. <laughs> cool. I don't know what was so funny about my story, but I like it. I don't oh, know. It's just good. 
we're just like exhausted yeah um so i played quite a few things at e3 um let's talk about which of these do you want to hear about first i want to hear about blades honestly because i blades okay yeah so I played Elder Scrolls Blades, the new mobile game coming from Bethesda Game Studios, uh, set in the Elder Scrolls universe. And Todd Howard got on stage and was like, you could play it with one hand. You can right. be like making yeah, a burger. Yeah, you could have something in the other. Have something in the other. Yeah, baby girl, that's where mind was going to. Mm-hmm. My mind was going down that dirty route. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I played this game. It looks nice. It didn't play so nice. And I think I also just need to spend more time with it than I did, but I got frustrated and put it down. And that's the problem with mobile games is that if they don't grab you right away with their mechanics, you literally are, bam, you're into Twitter. Bam, you're looking at Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook or your email, right? Because all of your apps are always sending you these notifications all the time. So you have things that will just pull you out of the game right away. Um, and I just, I was having trouble with the movement system. So playing it with one hand while possible, wasn't really optimal, particularly if you're like me and you've got baby hands and you have a giant iPhone Plus. So I have an iPhone 7 Plus and doing anything one-handed outside of just like looking at my phone and maybe scrolling with one finger is tough to do because it's a big phone. And so when I had it in landscape and using like dual fingers on the glass, um, it was a little bit better, but still... I mean, so you like double tap to run and then you swipe with your sword and then you have like a shield bash ability and then you have like two magic abilities. You can like tap to use like a magic spell. But I don't know, guys. I think the problem is, is that chair entertainment set the bar so high with Infinity Blade mm-hmm. and its successors that if you're not out doing what they've already done, then kind of like, why are you doing it? I mean, I know why they're doing it because Fallout Shelter made them a bazillion dollars and they were like, it was our most downloaded game and most played game of all time. <gasps> oh, I need to download that on my Switch. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. It's out on Fallout Shelter. It's now on your Switch and your PS4 for free. Um, so I thought that it was a really cool stat that there were like more people have played Fallout Shelter than all of our other games in Bethesda's history combined. It's not like 120 million, think about. I think was the number they dropped. 125 million 125. downloads, oh, I think. Damn. Um, so that's awesome. So obviously this is why they're making more mobile games. I just like, this is not the kind of mobile Skyrim or mobile Elder Scrolls experience that I was looking for. Mm. If I wanted to play Elder Scrolls on the go, I would play Skyrim on my Switch. Or um, the very but, special edition on Amazon Alexa. Which you're going to talk about in a little bit. Oh boy. Right? No? Oh, no, yeah, I will. Absolutely. Okay. She so, said, oh boy. <laughs> I think that this is fine. It not did not live up to the hype choo choo train that we saw. At the no, first. Okay. I was not there to play Elder Scrolls Blades. I was playing Blades while I was waiting to play Rage Two. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, Rage Two looks great. Feels super fast. It feels like they took a lot of what they incorporated into Doom and brought it into Rage. Uh, so we, Magnus from Avalanche came by the booth with Tim from It Software. And we had a nice chat about Rage 2. And I was really interesting hearing Magnus kind of talk about what 
Avalanche brought to the table and how Tim was like, you know, we learned so much about open worlds from Avalanche and Avalanche being like, we learned so much about first person shooting and uh, shooting mechanics from, from id, from id software. And I really liked hearing the dynamic of how those two teams work together and how it's going to overall improve upon what Rage started because that was one of the biggest criticisms of Rage when it first launched was that it had these beautifully done open world areas that were really just a go-between between like sections of the world where the action was. So you would just get into your car and you would drive through them. There was really no incentive to get out of your car and explore and look around. And so it's like it wasn't really truly open world because you weren't there wasn't any quests yes, or open to world do. doesn't mean there's anything to do in it it's kind of like zelda oh just oh, kidding oh, um, oh, yeah. fucking shot I, I, I was actually playing zelda yeah, on the plane both down and back from e3 <laughs> so um that's really just a joke haha for the laughs obviously for the funny stuff right um Put the pitchforks um, down. It's fine. True story. I got. I, I went wandering in the Gerudo Desert, and I found these gi- giant underground fish things, and it scared the bejesus out of me. See. Anyway. See. Moldugas or something. Anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> talking about rage too. So they've added these kind of cybernetic enhancement abilities, nano sites, nano something. Uh, I don't remember exactly what they're called. But they are essentially act like superpowers, but they're based in science because that's, you know, to make it fit with the canon and the lore of, of rage. And so they were fun, but it took me a little getting used to. I don't really like how they took the speed of Doom, a game where like there's no cover, right? You don't stop. You just keep running. Um, and really incorporated that into rage. Because that gives me anxiety and heart palpitations. <laughs> and I'm just like, everyone's shooting me all the time. And I like try to go find cover. And it's like, no, no. you don't get cover. You got to just keep going. You just got to keep <sighs> raging. Ooh. And I don't remember hey, the original go. being so focused on like combat, combat, combat all the time. So I'm not sure if they've maybe leaned too hard into the Doom aesthetic from a gameplay perspective. And kind of lost a little bit of the uniqueness of Rage. Um, the or do you think it was just the E3 demo? Yes. I mean, it's hard to know, right? Like what the final build is going to be like. But it was also interesting seeing just like how this neon splash of color is everywhere. They made a point when talking about the game, Tim and Magnus, about how the first game was like, I think Tim said 50 shades of brown. Yes. Or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, which was really funny because it was just all dirt everywhere post-apocalypse it was very mad max right mm-hmm. and so now they're like we wanted to add in color we wanted to give some and they were biomes. like we've chosen hot pink i'm down with sure. it i think it's great no i like it it just was like a it was just an adjustment for me as a rage fan but that being said felt good the guns felt good i felt powerful i'm ready to see more obviously they have kind of a lot of ground to cover from a narrative perspective so this is set what is it? Fifteen years afterwards? I don't remember. That doesn't sound right. Uh, that sounds like the amount of time that Dying Light Two was set after. That's Dying the Light. amount. Of, yeah, that's Dying Light. Hundred years afterwards? I don't know. I have to look it up. Um, but yeah, it was fun, smooth, slick. I'm trying, to, I'm to, trying to find out how more. many years later it is. I never Google, played the first one. Google's not helping me. Second one it's looks okay. fun. I'll probably play it for a little bit. Yeah. Um, also, I just wanted to point out, 
that we, before we rolled on the show today, we placed a friendly wager about how long it would take for the keyblade behind me to fall off the wall. And it's still up, you guys. We are still up. Over an hour into the show, now. and it's still and up. It hasn't fallen off the wall. I thought for I thought it would fall off in three. Brittany's minutes waiting and for you to put seconds. the pillow on. Wait, what? Uh, you said, it's, said it's, it's, still, it's been an hour. It's still it's, up. Sorry, it's it's a very yeah. Thank you, thank you. You got me. I got it. Thank you, all of you. Of course, you got I got it. back. Oh, oh Brittany, I think I just need to send you one of these. Yeah, can you? I'll find one. Yeah, you got it. That little well, cute we've shop. had requests. So we've had requests to put a that's what she said pillow in our merch store on teespring teespring.com slash stores slash what's good game so maybe we'll make that happen that's a fantastic idea it won't be as cute as this pillow because this one's no crocheted. this is like yeah this is like hand crocheted mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're not we're not that talented we can't do that well, maybe yeah. we are but we can't crochet all of your <gasps> and i put my pillow out there and now my camera's out of focus you it guys? happens this is the professionalism you'd expect from a high quality podcast very true speaking of have you subscribed to our podcast you should <laughs> I have. I don't know what to Give do. Give us a though. rating. It's still out <laughs> I of focus. Given us a rating I'll yet. fix it. That feels like <laughs> cheating. Um. Okay. Let's see here. What was I talking about? I want to talk to you about. Oh, okay. Sorry. Are you when you're done talking with rage with rage about rage? Okay. I can be great. Done. Tell Simon, me more what do you about the Lego. About? Could you? Did you? Were you able to make your own super villain this in this yes. E3 demo? Yes, I did. Tell um, me so about what's, her. What's funny about it is that I didn't. Hold on. Andrea's trying to like fix the focus right now. <laughs> She's like, YouTube. I really need, com I need to be what's good games. Hold on. Maybe, did you Aw, see, this is oh, why, ladies and gentlemen, you should also check us out on youtube.com slash what's good games. You can watch this. There we go. We're talking about. Focus yeah. Um, okay. So also these are so cute. Um, okay. Lego DC Supervillains. So this is from TT Games. Arthur Parsons came by the Facebook studio. You can check out his interview, facebook.com slash E3 Expo. I got to play. I made my own supervillain. I love what they're doing with create a character in this Lego game. So imagine a world where you can make up a superhero beyond your wildest imaginations hairstyles colors there's like 20 different kinds of capes steimer there's <gasps> a different ways Sign that you can up. change your muscles um and you can pick your abilities and your superpowers and not only do you get to really make a unique supervillain in the game once you start playing in the progression system once you unlock certain abilities so the first ability i unlocked was like a laser beam so imagine i had a through my hand like a laser beam comes out not only do i get to have a laser beam i can choose do i want in my left hand in my right hand in both hands do i want it coming out of my chest like superman or my eyeballs like you can customize where you want your power and then i got to pick the the way that the animation looked from the laser beam, I got to pick what color it was. So of course I made it pink with stars coming out of it. <laughs> oh my God. That sounds incredible. <laughs> and I, and this was just one ability that I unlocked and I was like, you guys, this changes everything. So I'm super pumped for everything that TT is doing with the custom, the customizations, because generally, you know, Lego has always been really good about personifying these licensed characters that we meet through DC or Marvel or Harry Potter or Star Wars or whatever. And I think that they've always done a really great job embodying these characters from all these different licenses. But now they're like, not only are they taking all of these iconic DC characters and making them hilarious but you get to be part of that story with your own character as well and 
I really loved it. It's got everything that you know about Lego games that are, make them great. It's got the the co-op gameplay. It's got the puzzle solving. It's got the cheeky dialogue. It's got the really fun, intuitive combat. It's like it's great. Everything that I played from this game looks awesome, and I definitely am looking forward to playing it. I, you know, I have to skip Lego games every once in a while because there's just so many of them. That studio is incredibly prolific, but this is coming to Switch. And I think because it's coming to Switch, it's going to be my new Switch game. Sweet! I haven't picked up a Lego game in a long time, but this one sounds real fun. Uh, They've got good co-ops. And the co-ops. Put anything. Give any game co-op, and I will buy your game. I will play your game. Yeah. It's great. Awesome. Um, Britt. Yeah. Did you play anything else at E3 that you would like to talk about? Not that I haven't already talked about on the GameSpot panel. Or not the GameSpot panel. The podcast last week. That's true. Uh, Steimer. Yeah. Do you want to talk about anything else from E3? Do, do, I mean, I could talk about the cyberpunk things. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So, <laughs> unless, Britt, are there questions in the next segment from people about cyberpunk? No. There are no, no. nobody submitted a question no. to Dear WGG no. about checked. cyberpunk? No. Well, I'm okay. Ladies and man. gentlemen, Dear WGG patron, $2 a month, submit your questions to us. If you had submitted a question about cyberpunk, we would be reading it right now because no one else did. Well, why don't we, Simon, how about this? How, why don't we leave it for the next segment then where we talk about more from E3 since it wasn't hands-on? Sure. And we'll just sure, limit sure. this segment to hands-on just to okay. kind of keep a little bit of organization to this chaos. <laughs> that sounds fine. Um, you and I also played Forza Horizon and I don't think we talked about it anywhere that's else. That's true. Yet. We didn't. Forza Horizon 4 at the Xbox Showcase. So, uh, what did you think of it? That it felt like Forza Horizon. <laughs> I mean, it, that's not a bad thing. I really like it. That's um, the only racing game I'll really play are the arcade ones. So, the Horizon series and like I'm I'm down with it. I'm not I never going to I'm never going to play this game like forever, but it's always fun to hop in and just Honestly, crash into shit. Like, that's my favorite thing to do. I did half of a race, and I just crashed into everything, and I didn't even finish it. I was like, nope. I'm just making oh, no, a fool I, finished. Of I always finished my races. Oh, no, no. I mean, I, I, my car was demolished, and it looked like a tin can by the time I was done. So I was like, nope. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah so that... That's interesting that you had some trouble that because the Horizon series is known for being more arcadey than the motorsport series, which is obviously more simulation based racing. And I like how um, Playground has really um, integrated that strip, which you can turn off if you want, that kind of shows you the optimal way to go on the track and even down to it turns red when they're like, hey, you should break here. And this mm-hmm. is the line that you should follow on the track to baby have- ass baby mode. Yeah, essentially. Um, I, I like how they were, we were able to drop into each other's worlds, um, and we could kind of, uh, tussle around with each other. The seasons thing, I think, is a, is a cool change because obviously weather dynamics in racing games have been around for a while now, but seeing where they're doing with them to kind of put a unique spin on it is always neat. The graphics look beautiful. I believe that we were played in 4K on an Xbox One X. That sounds um, correct. Yes. And I just, I had a lot of fun. It's been a while since I've really gotten into a racing game that really grabbed me. I mean, I have Burnout Paradise Remastered on our PS4 right now. But until um, I get Burnout Revenge Remastered, uh, it's been a, it's been a while. Need for Speed last year just kind of disappointed. So uh, I'm looking forward to trying this out. And the crew two is also out 
not the end of this month, next month, June, I think it's out in June. So lots of racing stuff to look forward to, but I agree. It wasn't like, it wasn't like drastically different in terms of feels, but in terms of feels, (laughs) (laughs) I don't speak the words. Um, but yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, this is, if you're a Forza Horizon fan, I think you're going to enjoy this. Uh, the one game I did play was Tunic. Now, this was actually revealed last year at E3. Um, I Fox t- Zelda. Fox Zelda. Yeah, yeah, I played this maybe like 15, 20 minutes. And I'll just say, if you are an old school Zelda fan, Link to the Past Zelda, the old, you know, just keep your eye on it. I think you will enjoy it. I don't know when this is coming out. I didn't write that down. I forgot. I'm sorry. My bad. It's on the internet. You have a Google machine. You can find it out. But if Ooh, you like that, Google machine. a Google machine. Yeah, Tunic. Just reminds me of Zelda. So if that's something you're into, go look it up, friends. I prefer being a fox than what is Link? Is he like an elf? He's got pointy ears. Uh, he's, he's an, an Hylian. Yes, he's a Hylian. I'm a call him an elf. <sighs> no, see, that's the problem. It's for so long, <laughs> people thought he was part of the Kokiri children, and it's like, no, sir, you are not, because Kokiri do not age. So once he pulls out the master sword and he ages, people are like, oh, damn, dude, you really are not a Kokiri. And then he finds out from the Dikutri's son that his mother was okay. Wow, Steimer, you words did this. are crazy, but you I like this, them. Steimer. Oh, yeah. I don't know. My mind blew into pieces when I found out he was not a cookery. He was a Hylian. I was like, oh, my God, he's so hot. He's a Hylian. You're like, I can be attracted to you now. Yeah, I was 11. It was a weird you're time not, in my life. You're not stuck in... You're not a child forever. Mode. It was fine. Yeah. It was fine because I was only like 11 at the same time. So Link and I were the same age, you see. So it was oh, that's po- true. Perfectly- yeah, but if he had stayed that age forever, it would have been a little weird. It would have been very weird. But no, it's okay. He pulls out the Master Sword. He's now 18. He's great. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, that's what she said, Pillow. He's uh, now yeah. 18. I feel like um, that's what she said, Pillow, needs to be like an unofficial member of this podcast. Or an official member of this podcast. I think yeah. so, too. Yeah, yeah, I feel like we should, Britt, you and I should also try and find this exact pillow and put them in the backgrounds of our sets somewhere. Sure. So that we can all have Or we have a competition. Who can find the best that's what she said, Pillow? Ooh, okay. Well, this one, okay. this one has a special place because it's this the OG Alexa pillow. Ray brought, bought this pillow. No, I thought and Brittany bought that pillow. Yeah, I bought it. You bought, bought it? it? Yeah, Brittany bought Did it. Did you buy it Brit- at the store? Alexa Did- wasn't even there. It was me and Brittany. Wait, when no, no. was when we bought the Sugarfina gummies in that random store in Burlingame? No, no. Uh, it was. I think actually the three of us were there because that's when we bought the draw dick on it. Yeah, that's the same store. Same store. Oh, yes. Steimer must have had to been there for that. I was there. Yeah. I just didn't buy it. If people are like, what the hell is a draw dick on it? It's an exclusive Patreon <laughs> video that we made about like two months into this show. Maybe one It was highly inappropriate yeah. in hindsight. Was a but couple months lesson, in. Lesson learned. <laughs> it was fun. It was a good time. It, it was fun. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought Alexa Ray bought the pillow. Don't be mad. It's okay. Um, okay. Anyways. I also played. I also played dinosaurs. Oh, you did. You did you yeah. play that at E3? No, that's after E3. Are okay, we still talking about E3? E3? One more E3 thing, and then you can tell me about the dinosaurs. Go. Cool. Um, I got to play Hitman Two. Ooh. Oh yeah. So this game was leaked right before E3. Warner Brothers almost made it all the way to E3, and then sadly they did not. Uh-huh. Um, so this game used to be still made by IO Interactive and used to be published by Square Enix. Now um, they released IO, and they said, here, take your Hitman franchise and 
go off into the sunset. And IO said, okay, we will. Hey, Warner Brothers, you want to publish our games? And Warner Brothers said, yeah, we do. We're going to publish it. So this time with Hitman, it's very similar to the last Hitman game, except it's not episodic this time. So all of the content that was released in multiple episodes is now being released at one time. But they've said that they still plan to do the elusive contracts and the additional content throughout post-launch. So exactly how much content is still uh, TBD, but they have caught on record, they said in our interview, that yes, that stuff is coming back. So during my time with the game, I had a like a little demo buddy who was like, go here, go here, go here. And I was like, excuse me, Hitman requires me to figure out how I'm going to take down my contract on my own. Please zip it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, you know, people just get lost. And I was like, yeah, that's part of the fun of working it out on my, se- on my own. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Just no, hustling I, I me through you, that demo. Um, so that was, that was kind of a bummer. But the game looks great. Um, they have all kinds of goofy disguises you can wear. In the demo that I played, we were taking out this woman who was a race car driver and uh, per Hitman, you can do it in a variety of ways. I chose to sabotage her car and then blow it up spectacularly in front of the audience. But you can um, choose to snipe her and take her out with a gun. You can um, sabotage her later by befriending someone on her crew. Um, you know, Hitman. Yeah. Variety is the spice of life. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Agent 47 is back. They didn't go too much into the overarching narrative and how it relates to the first game. But, um, felt good. Looks good. It's just more Hitman. It looks good. Yeah. Also, they were talking about, um, because I asked this because I saw it on the IGN stream. There's a different mode of some kind you get when you pre-order, I want to say. Yeah, the sniper assassin mode. So let me pull this up. Um, was this the co-op mode? Multiplayer mode? Yes. Okay, let's when see. When you want a hitman with a friend. <laughs> Simon, do you want to be my partner? Yes. I'm real bad I've, at hitman. I've wanted to play games with you for so long. Oh, why do you got to do me like that? She's 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 calling out for help, Brittany. I know. I, am. I know that really just like broke my heart. Like that was the most like sad, pathetic thing. <laughs> I felt, you should I pull like up the-, the PlayStation app on your phone right now and accept Simon's friend request before she breaks down into actual tears. All right. I'm doing this. Okay, right now. while you're doing that, Hitman 2 is coming in November, but eager assassins can test their skills on an entirely new level, writes Kotaku. A mode called Sniper Assassin is available to people who pre-order the game, offering a little puzzle box of trick shots and stealth, just like anything in Hitman. It's often at its best when things go wrong. <laughs> in Sniper Assassin, you have 15 minutes to take down some targets and their bodyguards. Agent 47 sticks behind the scope of his sniper rifle and must scan the crowd for his target while waiting for the perfect time to pull the trigger. There's only one level at the moment, uh, and you can go in guns blazing or shoot targets as fast as possible, or you can pick off them one by one. Um, so it's co-op. Um, so it says, da, 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 da. he's talking about his playthrough. I'm going to be so bad at this game. Great way to get back into, oh, I'm sorry, this is, um, uh, Heather wrote this. So she's talking about her playthrough with Chris. Uh, I thought Chris wrote this. I got that mixed up. Um, so I says, I want to pull off a perfectly executed playthrough, but just as I'm eager to find sillier things than Sniper Assassin, 
Uh, one playthrough, Chris and I spotted an antsy base jumper on a mountain who was more interested in drinking beer than jumping off the cliff. <laughs> yeah. So I guess this I is mean, a way I would to, be more um, interested in that. To wet your palate. Yeah. Before it comes out this fall. So that was cool. Okay. Steimer. Mm hmm. Yes. Wait, hold on. Steimer. Is that Ooh, a raptor noise? Is that is that? noise. Okay, we've talked about this game when it was first announced, and that is the exact same yeah. sound I made. And you also asked me what the hell that was, and that is my really, really bad raptor noise. I just had it. It's like a weird baby raptor, but I like it. Thank you. I like the enthusiasm behind I, I even, it. I even put my claws out. I was even like, ah. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna play that's not the noises they make. They make like a like a bark. I just saw Maud's interview with some of the cast of Jurassic World, and she made some do um, dinosaur impressions. Sounds like a screwdriver. <laughs> it does sound like a screwdriver. I sound like a screwdriver. That's it's what a weird. velociraptor sounds like. But she made like a like a bark, like a, uh. no, 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 like I, I, know, I, know, I know the sound you're, you're. I know the sound you're thinking of. I'm not going to attempt it out of fear of embarrassing myself and my legacy for the remainder of my years and my, oh my fa- family. But I know what but you're it talking is about. like a call a pack. Noise. Really, Brittany? It's not like a regular. Noise. <laughs> really, are you worried about embarrassing yourself? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> who the fuck am I kidding? No. Exactly. I don't know. Okay, Jurassic okay. Park. Yeah. Anyways, Jurassic World Evolution. So I started this game on my Xbox One. And then as I was playing it, I was like, why did I get this for Xbox One? Which a code was provided to me courtesy of the team there. Um, and I realized I hate playing strategy games. Oh, no, really? Xbox. I'm like, why did I get this for PC? So I emailed oh. them back and I was like, I am terribly sorry. I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> Is there any way that you could possibly give me a Steam code instead? Ah. And they said, no problem. Here you go. So then I started the game over after playing for around an hour on my Xbox uh, on my PC last night. And that was much better for me. Like, what? I, that's why more of what I was looking for. I like to be able to, like, I just find it easier to control with a mouse because you've got the analog sticks otherwise on the consoles. And it's just you're sitting there struggling. I was sitting there struggling with it. Oh, I agree. Um, so. It's kind of, I mean, it's just, it's your basic strategy game of like, there's three different, uh, what would you call it? Specialties or whatever that you need to balance between research, entertainment, and security. And there are, I believe, five islands. And the first one's like super easy, right? Super easy training mode. The funnier part to me is that on my, the playthrough on my Xbox, I managed to go broke real fast. Like, I just spent way too much money. I was just like, blur. Like, I was doing things that the tutorial was not telling me to do. I was like, I'm going to build this over here. <laughs> and then I thought that it was just like, you have no money. I was like, oh, crap. Right. Okay. Okay. So then I just had to, I was at a point where I would have had to just sit there forever and wait for my money to slowly accrue, which I was not a That's do. annoying. So, yeah. um, Thankfully, I got to start over again on the PC, and I was much smarter that time about my money management. But um, overall, I mean, it feels good. It's kind of fun to like look at the dinosaurs. You can alter their genes a little bit and change their color palette or uh, try and make them hardier dinosaurs, like giving them immunity to certain diseases. Um, 
I, I, I would try and figure out, I was trying to figure out like how to build the park mm-hmm. for, for baby, for my baby ass baby mode island. Because I put, I was like, well, I'm just going to throw this, I'm going to test this out and see how aggressive the carnivore dinosaurs are. Just put one, I had like four or five herbivores just Coming rolling out. around. I feel like I know where this is going. That motherfucker ate every single one of my, just killed them all within two seconds. <laughs> and I was like, come on, man, you're not even hungry. You're just doing this to be an asshole. Those, that one dinosaur was expensive. He was like $130,000. Holy crap. And wow. you just killed him. Holy shit, that's an expensive dinosaur. Very, di- making dinosaurs is not cheap. Um, so does it feel like a Jurassic Park game or does it feel like a strategy game with dinosaurs? It feels like a strategy game with the Jurassic Park skin, okay. for sure. Um, I mean, you can click on the dinosaurs and like check them out and make sure they're doing okay and you can name them, which I of course did. Um, but otherwise you are supposed to be like making the dinosaurs bigger and better so that more people come to the park and you can, you know, build out certain areas that are for the guests. So you have like your hotel and your clothing store and you can go through and Say what you're selling at the store, at what profit margin you're selling it at, so you can min-max your finances. Oh, boy. And then the game gives you missions. So you start out picking one of the main three factions. They're not really factions, but we're going to call them that for now. Uh, and I went security, so like that guy will give you missions until you gain some rank through contracts, which are smaller for the other two. And then they start to also give you missions that help you... Sort of the beginning, obviously, is just teaching you how to play the game. It's like, okay, there's a dinosaur that broke out of the fence. Here, are the, Here's what you're going to have to do when this happens. Because yeah. then you make it to, once you unlock Second Island, that island has more to worry about. Like, there's tropical storms, so you have to build shelters for your guests. The dinosaurs are more likely to break out of the park and then you have to kind of manage that so See, that's what i want to do i want to release like a t-rex in the middle of the park and i just want to watch all chaos and all hell break loose is that a thing you can do i feel I like mean, that's counterproductive to what, what is success in the game though isn't it yeah exactly you would you could you can you do it yes be so will funny. it help you do anything in this game no no, no you just you, you just save beforehand and then you know you, yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah if you wanted to like build a big beautiful park save and then just let a t-rex run through it does you he, can technically do that do the t-rex was, eat the people do, what do they do i have i haven't i'm not at a t-rex yet that's the oh. next level shit <laughs> i think i got a tritera- triceratops the only carnivore i have is a i forgot how to say its name something with a c carnivorous carnivorous that sounds right uh, chompy mcchomperson there you go Di- dinosaur um all the rest i have are herbivores but uh yeah, I a couple of the herbivores got out, but they were still chasing people down. They weren't killing them. They were just like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm so hellbent on wreaking havoc in this game. I just think it'd be very entertaining to watch just, I don't know. I mean, I'm sorry. If you're going to go on an, an island, an island where there are dinosaurs, you were just asking to be maimed, to be killed. Absolutely. Yeah. Like coming. I built, I built, oh, this was funny. So I had to, there was a, there was a moment of panic where I put a viewing station down, but I accidentally put it in backwards. So the path was like through the, through the park, through the, where the dinosaurs are. And I was like, oh no, shit, delete. So you can demolish your buildings as you usually can in these types of games for a reduced amount mm-hmm. of, uh, of what you paid for it. And then of course, a chunk of the fence was gone. Oh no. So, and this was the carnivore pen. So like the carnivore start, I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like quickly like putting the fence back together before the stupid dinosaur can get out. Too late. The dinosaur's already out. No, he wasn't. Yeah, okay. I actually managed to put the fence up 
just in the nick of time before that motherfucker walked out. I don't know why I keep straining that word today. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, it, it, do you but, really, though? Are you really sorry? No. I'm, I mean, don't it, apologize. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. It's a it's a word. I don't know. <laughs> it's a word. It's okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was fun, and I, I'll probably hop back in and play. I I was I looked at the clock. And I was like, oh, it's late. I should probably go to bed. But so it was definitely one of those time suck games where you don't quite know. So so far, how, does how it have the timer seal of approval? Would you recommend this? It's pretty good. The only thing that I ran into that annoyed me was so you have you send your teams out on expeditions to get fossils to like research those fossils to get a high enough genome so that you can clone these dinosaurs and make them in your park. You have to have at least 50%. Um, the thing that annoyed me was that I, ha- I got to a point where there was a couple fossils. If you don't want them, usually you can sell them. But I had, it was like a, the not rare dinosaur. It's the, it's the Pidgey of dinosaurs. <laughs> and you, it's the I couldn't do anything dinosaurs. with these fossils except research them, which costs you money. Because it, they were like, no one's interested in buying this from you. And I'm like, well, I can't delete it. Like, I couldn't figure out a way to just delete it or get rid of it. So my only option was to spend like $50,000 to get them out of. Because you only have a select number of fossil slots. Mm. So it would be like six slots or something for these things. And I was, that irritated me. But for the most part, I think it's fine. It's fine. It's, if you like dinosaurs, you like strategy games, I think you will like this. Noted. If you don't like strategy games, do not buy this for the sake of it being Jurassic Park. Oh, that's good. Because that would be really weird. That's good feedback. Yeah. Well, that is interesting. Um, wow. Could you have been any more? <laughs> <laughs> you like, yourself just said this sucks as a Jurassic F- Park game, did you not? What? Didn't you essentially just say that it sucks as a Jurassic Park game, but it's good as a strategy game? Well, I mean, it's not a Jurassic Park game. I mean, it is, but it isn't. You know, like the the base of it is a strategy game. It's so it's a strategy game with Jurassic you, Park. So, are you recommending this game, or are you not recommending? I'm saying this if game? you were like, I'm a huge Jurassic Park fan, but I don't like strategy games, this would make no sense for you to buy. Okay. Because the whole the core gameplay of it is strategy focused. Did but did you get to meet Dr. Malcolm? Oh yeah, he's there from the very beginning. He's like, hey, I'm the only voice actor they managed to get for this. That's the same for the movies. The other, because Chris Pratt's face is in there. And the chick from, is it Jessica Chastain or is that someone else? There's two redhead actresses that mix up a lot. No, it's Uh, Jessica Chastain, yeah. No, 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 it's Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, that's, that's the one, that's the other one. So it's her. (laughs) And like their faces are in it, but it is not, it's not them. Not them at all. Like it's very obviously not them. But you have Jeff Goldblum, and what else do you need in life, really? <laughs> okay, so you're saying we should all run out and pick this up just for Jeff Goldblum? Yes, because he is. Yep. <sighs> <laughs> On that note, I think it's time to take our final break of the show before we get into our final segment. Uh, we have a few more thoughts about E3. We haven't talked about the conferences. Uh, Steimer has some burning things she needs to say about Cyberpunk 27, 2077. Um, and maybe we'll expand on a little bit of what we talked about um, in our episode last week. So now would be the time to take... A little bit of a break if you need one. We are going to do the same. 
When we come back, the final segment of the show. Stick with us, everybody. We'll see you in a minute. Everybody, it's segment three of the What's Good Games podcast. Stimer is sweating alive slowly in her apartment in Los Angeles. <laughs> yes. Slowly melting. Um, so we are now going to talk about E3. You guys sent in your questions. Don't forget at patreon.com slash what's good games. We have a dear WGG tier. This is a relatively new tier. And if you guys have questions that you would like us to answer on the show, you got to write in. We got a Google form. Brittany looks at it and is like, hmm. These ones are cool. Let's yeah. put them in the show notes. And end here going we are. To, end up going to patreon.com slash what's good games and finding the $2 tier and clicking on the, you know, it's too much work for you. Just go to what's good games.com slash dear WGG and it'll take you right where you need to go. It'll, it'll hold your hand through it. You'll be fine. We got you. We love you. We support you. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So E3. <gasps> How has it already been a week since the conferences? Oh, yeah. This is Final conference. Question. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know either. Here we are. Simer's boiling. Here we are. Andrea's in her studio, dead. The I'm in my place, sweat. sweating, boiling, and dead. But we did yep. the thing, ladies. We did it. We did. We survived. Where somehow. do you want to start here, Miss uh, Brombacher? Oh, God. Make me make all the corporate decisions in this. Well, we do have W WGG Dear WGG I can't talk questions. Or we could just start on the top of the, the show. We could talk about the press conferences. We didn't talk about this at all. Yep. Sure. Let's do we it. So um out of all the conferences, which one was your favorite? Uh so Or how about this? Which ones let's do we wanna pick like a E three winner? No? Uh, we're all winners. We all get video We're games. We're all winners. Hmm. So it's hard because I, I think – so here's the thing. Microsoft announced a lot of stuff, right? Not all of it was exclusive, but they did announce some exclusives, and they announced the acquisitions. They were like, we're going to give you a whole bunch of games. We're not going to do the PR speak that we usually do. We know what – we know we're – we know the ground we need to cover. PlayStation just kind of had this really strange – thing that I feel like they can afford to do because they are just kicking ass right now. It was still a very strange press conference. Nintendo showed off Smash. I mean, it was a lot of Smash. I don't know. It was just kind of a weird year, I feel like. A good year, but it a was. weird year. It, it was a bit strange in that we didn't get a whole lot of genuine surprises. Walmart Canada, ladies and gentlemen. Either due to leaks or just because like they were games we were expecting to see more from. Right. And um, when we did, I mean, those games just won't be out for a very long time. Like, for instance, when Todd finally confirmed Starfield is a thing, <laughs> you know, I lost my mind with you guys. But also knowing that it will be quite some time before we see anything right. for it because they are a little busy. Um, and then him and then the fact that he confirmed like another single player Elder Scrolls. I was like. Okay, that's really not going to come out for a long time. But I like that you're just telling people, like, shush. 
Stop asking. We're doing. I'm the really glad. I think that that was necessary, right? Especially after you know the big news that they are instead of going back to the Elder Scrolls, they're doing another entry in the world of Fallout. I, as somebody who prefers Elder Scrolls to Fallout, was bummed. I mean, obviously, Fallout Four was great, and I'm going to play Fallout seventy six. But like when they show that teaser for Elder Scrolls six, I was like, yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> Brittany's face is the best. <laughs> It was so good. No, I like my castles and moats and trolls and orcs and dragons and shit. Fallout, it just never has never been able to hold my attention. It's too post-apocalyptic. If it's there's no trees, I guess, so I can't blame it on the trees this time. No, there's not much of anything there, man. Like it's I true. normally do. Um, yeah. So let's talk about PlayStation for a bit. What? What was okay. oh, so? Were there announcements that were made during PlayStation's press conference that we did not see because we were there in person? Yes. Yes, on on the way that we were walking from the Last of Us room to the other main room that we stayed in, they played something for Destiny, I believe, and something else that I from Software's VR game, and then that trailer with Cade Six for Destiny Two, right? And I don't know if that was just it. I think yeah, Yeah. I think there. I don't know if there's anything more, but I remember talking to somebody who was watching the stream, and they're like, "Oh, did you see these things?" And I was like, "No, Uh, that must have been while we were en route." To the next area, um, which also was a shit show, can I just say? I thought someone might die, and I thought we would all be trampled to death yeah. at the PlayStation conference because you may tell people not to push, but they're going to well, push. Especially after you put them. Okay, so for those of you who are like, "What are you talking about?" So we were there in person at the PlayStation press conference, and the first thing they do is they shoved us all into like this makeshift. Now we know is a, a church esque building, right? And there, there was this, the floor wasn't sloped, so it was level flooring, and there was a screen in the front of the room. Now, you know, we're ladies. Not all of us are as tall as our men can- counterparts. Simer is like four feet tall. And so we couldn't. I'm a very short. <laughs> so unfortunately, we had a lot of tall people in front of us. I had to do this weird, like, half squat crescent pose thing the whole time during the conference. And then that's when they debuted The Last of Us Part 2 footage, which was incredible and amazing from what I saw. So the problem was half of the screen for me was blocked. So I didn't get to see what was really going on. And then what happened is it was musty and sweaty and a little stinky. They open up the door and then all we can assume is that we're going to be ushered into another similar setting where it's going to be hard to see the screen. So everyone's bull rushing the exit. And then we get in there and it's very serene. It's, it's ghost of, is it Tsushima? I can't say it still. Ghost of, ghost of Tsushima. Tsushima. Uh, beautiful and serene and calm, but none of us really knew what we were walking into. We thought it was going to be another setting, a la The Last of Us 2. We're all in a room. Um, I, I appreciate them doing something different and trying something different. I just don't think this quite worked out, especially since we missed some of the announcements. It wasn't until not that long ago that I'm like, oh, wait, something else was announced? From Software has a VR game? What are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. The other thing that was funny to me is that it wasn't funny, but so there are church pews. There were church pews in the front, which none of us could see because, again, the height issue. But they kept saying over the intercom, "Step away from the pews." And uh, I guess there was like one guy who just wasn't moving, and I was like, "I'm pretty sure that guy doesn't know what a pew is." Like you're telling him to move away from a thing, he doesn't know what the thing is because I think he was like a, a Japanese reporter or something. And I'm like. Like there's a there's a language barrier here that nobody thought of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it was also like I'm gonna just say it like straight up. 
I was pissed. I was, I was irritated. I was frustrated. We were crammed into this room. We didn't know what was going on. I made a tweet or an Instagram post being like, are we in a haunted house? Is Sean Lading going to kill me? What's happening? And it did I feel like a cattle drive. Yeah. It was, it was frustrating. And then once the, once the trailer started rolling and we saw it was the last of us, I was obviously enthralled because Naughty Dog does great, amazing cinematic work. But then afterwards, I was even more upset that I got to only watch like, the top half of the trailer because we were standing in a room of a thousand people and it wasn't sloped down at all. And I was just like, this is how you're going to show me your number one game at E3 is in this giant room. Who thought this would be a good idea? And then Interesting the shuffle. concept, Ugh. poor execution. Yeah, like so could have been, or somebody was like, this is, I don't know who made, I can't remember who I was talking to. It was like, it seems like they intentionally at first wanted to fill the room with pews and have everybody sitting in them and then ran out of budget halfway through and went, oh, crap, <laughs> just have them stand there. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if that's true. That was just somebody making a joke. But I, I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, um, because it did kind of feel that way, because I'm not sure why you would ever think that having that many people standing around would be the most optimal way to view this trailer. Right. Or even like because mm-hmm. before the trailer started, they had someone playing the guitar, which was the Tilu theme. Um, and we couldn't see him. No. Didn't see him at all. Just heard the music. I had no idea where that man was. It was beautiful music. Couldn't, though. Just, you couldn't have paid me a million dollars to hit that man with the dart. Couldn't see him. <laughs> no idea. Which direction is he? I don't know. No, and th- that was what that was way. interesting about when the stream image came up and Sean Layden was standing on the stage. I was like, there's a stage up there? Yeah. Because we couldn't see anything. Um, I will say, once we made the shuffle into the second area, that viewing space was beautiful. So it was like this giant yes. tent. That's where I took the the gif heard around the world of, of Brittany uh, during oh. the Resident Evil 2 reveal. But that was a beautiful giant wraparound screen. And when we walked in, it had this, like, this field of flowers that was Ghost of Tsushima. And I was pumped for that. Why we didn't do the whole presentation in that room, I'm not quite sure. Because they were being experimental. And experimenting's fine, but think it through. They should have, like, done a test run with a bunch of people standing there and gone, oh, I can't see. I can't see. Hmm, wait a minute. Maybe we should fix this problem. Maybe we should put bleachers in here or something. You know, like, I know it will take away from the church aesthetic, but at least people will be able to see the screen. Yeah. I, I mean, I think them trying to replicate... That was really the challenge there because they probably brought in like a hundred PlayStation employees, which ironically, PlayStation employees didn't actually get to go to the conference this year. Um, so I know a lot of people obviously that work at PlayStation, um, because of my husband who works there, but none of them got to go. So that's kind of a bummer. Can you imagine shoving more people in that room? No, no, I can't. It was already but gross. Yeah. Anyways, it was, I liked, yeah, I liked the second half of the conference much more, but I will say it felt a little weird just in that it felt almost like there wasn't much content in that conference. Like they just kind of, they really, like really streamlined it and they were like, here are the big things and like a few sprinklings of other things. And that was kind of it. And it was fine, but it didn't blow my socks off by any means. Didn't do you right. And I wasn't even wearing socks, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we still got to see Control Remedy's new game, which looks interesting. You like to pick things up and throw them. Um, I saw that game. 
I saw a demo behind closed doors and I still don't quite understand what it's all about, but it looks intriguing enough that I'm into it. You are, it's like the Bureau of Control or something. See, I don't even, I can't even tell you what it's about. All I know is that you can control things with powers that you have and you can throw big chunks of cement and other metals at people's face and it's good. Hmm. Yeah, it looks very good. Nice. Yeah. I like throwing things at people. Yeah, me too. It's a good time. Yep. And then we saw, I mean, I see that there's a question about this below. So I'm wondering if we just wait. Well, we can um, just hop into the questions because we have we'll a, just hop into the question about death stranding. death stranding. Death Stranding. So Alejandro, Alejandro. Like literally that's, it's one word. <laughs> that's, it's that's Alejandro, Alejandro. This my ladies. I want to hear each and every one of y'all's theories of what the hell Death Stranding's gameplay is all about. I was hyped by the strangeness of it all on E3, but was left a bit skeptical with the amount of walking they showed. Will it be a walking simulator with some delivering on the side? Very much love to hear your thoughts on this. As always, I am forever grateful for all the amount of work you three keep putting out there for the fans. Keep rocking, ladies. Yes, you are a box delivery man in the future with a baby on your chest. That's all I got from that trailer. I watched this trailer again, and I, I think I'm even more confused this time around. I think at some point we do see some gameplay right where where i call him norman reed i don't know what his actual in-game name is where he's like crouching i know we're always like when norman reed is and he has like the little like like, the little pincer things that detect all the weird people like hanging from the sky he's walking around and he's like weird stealth moments where he's yeah but but like my concern with this game is that we it's been teased for a while it looks so freaking weird i feel like it has impossible standards now to live up to what it's going to be Almost like, but the standards have just been a head tilt and a scratch. Like no one knows what's going on, right? But it's so strange, and everything we see is so out of context that I'm like, this is going. Like, look at PT for example, right? Like that game looks ter. It was terrifying the, the demo of it, and it was so crazy and random. And I'm like, oh man, like I would love to have seen a final product. But with this, I'm like, what, what, how, what are you going to do with this? How are you going to turn this into like a, a full game where it's going to be just as weird and crazy as these dense trailers that you're giving us? I'm going to play the crap out of it. I'm very intrigued by it. I am sold. Like, I I don't know what's happening. Oh, I'm not. You're not sold? I'm not. Well, because they showed him carrying boxes for like two minutes. Right. And I was like, what is this? It's like a hill climbing simulator with boxes. Yeah. I'm glad, sure. though, that they showed something because this has been, I mean, I think I made the tweak, Steimer, you mentioned the Kingdom Hearts references, like, what's more confusing, what's happening in Death Stranding or what's happening in Kingdom Hearts 3? Who knows? And yeah. it's funny because, you know, we've seen these really kind of ethereal, sci-fi, far-fetched, crazy cinematic trailers which look amazing but obviously didn't really tell us like what's happening in this game and so i'm glad that they showed a little bit of gameplay um but that being said i still don't know what the fuck is happening in this game i don't either no but i want to know right before it was like one of those perfect moments where i'm sitting in the chair and i i think it just showed like a teeny blip of death stranding and then like the sound went down as i said what the fuck <laughs> and like i was just like oh and so i guess some people heard that on stream so if you heard it it was me yeah that was you no i'm just so intrigued by it that I, I have to play it at this point i just absolutely have to know what the hell is going on even i'll if, watch you play okay it. even if it's the worst game possible like it's just so out of the ordinary that i have no fucking clue what to expect so i am more than intrigued yeah all right i, I hear you we have some general questions about e3 all right, From yeah, let's the do it. dear WGG patrons. Let's roll. Let's roll. 
Marcus, where do you want to go, Britt? I got this. Marcus Brown. E3 2018 was amazing. This was my first time attending in person and being able to see you ladies do your thing in person was so cool. My question concerns the gaming media outlets and E3. The ESA released a statement last week that almost 70,000 people attended the convention this year, and I'd imagine many of those were public, like myself, carrying a gamer pass. What's the media's general consensus on letting the public in E3? Do they enjoy mingling with those who don't work in the industry, or is the massive onslaught of people hindering them from getting to their appointments, demos, etc.? I know this is one of the busiest times of the year for you in the industry, and I can't help but wonder if we sometimes get in the way of you doing all your jobs. Oh, I just totally paraphrase that. P.S. Love your faces. Keep up the good work. So I didn't feel like there was 70,000 people there. I felt like this year was less. I felt like last year was sort of a clusterfuck. And it you definitely felt the amount of people. And I think, Andrea, you've mentioned this before. Like there, there was a no back or like limited backpack rule right. this mm-hmm. year. So there, the, the show floor, you could actually walk around without getting smacked in the face every five minutes. Um, so to me, I actually didn't feel like there were too many people. What's been interesting to see, however, is how the booths have changed over time. Tyler McCall has a question about that. He says, last year, there was a lot of talk about, it's relevant, I promise. (laughs) Last year, there was a lot of talk about E3 letting the public in for the first time, and many of the booths didn't seem to be set up for hordes of people. What did the show floor floor feel like? Floors, floor flavors. What did the show floor feel like this year? (laughs) Was it an improvement over last year with regards to letting people in? So I'm glad you asked this question because we know lots of people, obviously, that work on the uh, publisher side. And there were significant changes in the restrictions as to what you could and could not boo, boo, do with your <laughs> booth space this year at E3. So in addition to the backpack rule, which we already mentioned, uh, they also put pretty severe restrictions on how you could lay out your booth, meaning where the entrances and exits were, where your walls were, where the hands-on stations were, where the queue lines are, all of that uh, got a dramatic overhaul this year. And I think that it made a big difference for people moving around the show floor. Uh, the couple of times that we went to the show floor, because I was obviously on the, on the Facebook gaming live studio most of the week, um, it didn't feel overwhelming. It didn't feel like I was being crushed by anybody. When I was walking in and out of the booth, it felt very easy to navigate. And it felt like the lines were much better managed this year than in previous years. Yeah, and if you go to a convention like PAX East, or I mean, I feel like PAX East because it's just one big show floor. You know, as you're going down those escalators, all you see is just masses and hordes of people. And that's just the way, and that's fine. That's PAX East for you. Uh, with E3, I feel like it's always been, hasn't been as dense with the crowds. It just has never been as crowded. So, and honestly, even when it was just media only, uh, I, you always have people who do the thing where they, they take like a few steps in front of you, they stop. They look around, they gawk, they're taking their cell phones out, recording the preview screens of like on top of booths, you know, like they're not gonna be able to get that later on YouTube or something like that. You know, people who swing around, if they do have, they did have backpacks, they would hit you. So it's, I personally, and I was on the show floor a lot more this year, I think, than you ladies were, I didn't notice like a huge difference. Was it crowded at times? Yeah, but this was my eighty three, and it didn't feel any crowded than years past. What personally. I thought was interesting, and, and I actually like this, um... So in, in prior years, not last year maybe, but you know, years before, when you had an appointment, you would go to the show floor. You would go to that booth. You would do your thing there. Now what I feel like is happening is a lot of these publishers are allowing the show floor to be the public space. 
and they're having private meeting rooms elsewhere so that media can go and have a little bit less hassle trying to get there because you don't need to maneuver through the hordes of people to get to it. Um, and I actually really like that. And I hope that this continues and that everybody does it next year because it's just easier. You're not like, oh man, I got to run over to the South Hall and fight my way through a horde of people to get to this appointment. Instead, you just like go upstairs and have, have your meeting rooms. Have your meeting rooms. So I don't, I mean, I don't mind having the public there. I just think, um, like I like having a little bit of restrictions on it. So, you know, the hour, the specific hours that people can come, all of that. I think that's really good. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, you know, come on down, play some games. It's a good time. Do yeah. it. Elmo Shell, hard pivot here. Who was the best husbando at E3? Ooh. Uh, Leon motherfucking Kennedy, Resident Evil 2, ladies and gentlemen. I think he's only like 19, 19 to 21 in this. He's very young, very young dude. Um, I'm an old woman at the age of 30. So, oh my God. That was just like a very like wow moment. Leon Kennedy, like 18 to 20. I was nine when I played this game for the first time. Anyway, uh, Leon, he has very sexy hair. Leon Kennedy is known for his hair. Sure, he saves people from zombies, but, uh, if you've seen his hair in Resident Evil, Four, you know, not messing around. Husbando of the year. Husband of E3, I should say. Leon. I don't think I have one. Not, no. Okay, I mean, I guess the male character in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, he's pretty hot. Mm-hmm. He's pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm into, like, I know people like to make fun of man buns, but I was kind of Okay, husbando such waifu. <laughs> you say husbando such waifu. Is there, is there a waifu? I mean Ellie. Sure. No, what? Waifu? I would I would waifu Ellie. No, uh, Cassandra all the way. I mean, can I por qué no los dos? <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> um like this is a hard one. There wasn't like any I feel like there's like a glaring thing that I'm missing from my husbando. Kate six. Oh. Oh no. Not really into exos. Um, or dead thing. What about Dante from Devil May Cry Five? Mm. Mm-hmm. No. Cat Gears of War. Kate, you mean? That's cool. Kate. Kate. Uh, she's pretty cool. She could be waifu material for sure. I would definitely <laughs> say her. Um, I feel like there were more waifus than husbandos here. One of the right? ships from Skull and Bones. One of the shots from wood. Skull. Oh, <laughs> that was so good. Spider Man? No, I mean Spider Man's a boy. Yeah, like, he's, he's a boy. He's a little bit weird. He's a boy. Wait, is he? Is he really a boy? He's a teenage boy. Oh, see, I don't. I don't know my Spider Man's. He's, oh, like, he's okay. called Spider Man, not Spider Boy. So I don't. Just... Well, that's because Spider Boy sounds stupid. It does sound very stupid. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. I don't think there was any standout husbandos from E3. The baby in Norman Reedus's bag. Oh, Jesus. Oh, boy. Gross. Okay. Uh, inappropriate. Gross. All right, move on. Move, you move give on. me shit. Blah, blah, blah. You give me shit for saying Spider-Man. <laughs> you went way worse. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. We have some lighthearted fun questions here. Uh, Noah, best meal and worst meal you had at E3? The worst meals are always the ones you just don't have. The, no, right? The, yeah. Uh, which were a lot. And the best was uh, Andrea and I and Tara. 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 And we had a couple other people stop in briefly. 
Um, yeah, the kind of funny just... team stopped by. So we, uh, on our final well, night of E3. John did as well and yeah. someone else from school. Britt was supposed Ryan to join us, but she had to go take care of her husbando because uh, he was not feeling well. And so she had to miss dinner. But we had dinner at a steakhouse in downtown Los Angeles. And we got steaks. And we had mac oh and God, cheese. so much mac and cheese. And we oh. had wine. And oh, we had so bread. Good. And all of the carbs. That's was, the best I'm way I'm still thinking drink. about that mac and cheese. Um, it was incredible. I think the worst meal I had was a protein bar and a bag of Cheetos. That was my lunch. Um, that sounds right. That's what, well, that's what you do at E3. That's like what your typical lunch is, is you have, you just scrounge for whatever you can get. And in this case, th- it was Cheetos and a protein bar. I think Steimer and I had that moment where we were eating a bag of goldfish from the Facebook lounge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I got like a, I got like a, a trail mix pack and a bag of goldfish. <laughs> And I was like, this will sustain me until the next thing where I'm going to get another bite-sized piece of food. Yep. Yeah. All right, Cyber. Cyberpunk question yeah. for you. So I know you have feelings Great. about this because you've talked about this. I, I have a lot. From Nick. Thoughts on it being first person. I know some people don't like that, especially since The Witcher 3 was third person. However, being a shooter, first person, first person, with me. <laughs> Nick, you got very old during that question. I don't know what happened. <laughs> first person. So, Nick. I am one of those people that would have preferred a third person game because in an RPG like this, when you're playing it for hundreds of hours, I like seeing my character in the Witcher. I would often just spin the camera around and look at Geralt and just be like, look at how cool I look in this sweet ass armor that I took forever to get. And you do see your character like they at certain points in, in cutscenes, So it's not like you'll never see yourself. Mm-hmm. But to me, it does diminish it a little bit. That being said, I know that first-person shooting is usually feels a little better than third-person shooting. But that wasn't what like concerned me about this game. Uh, I kind of talked a bit more about the tech of it and sort of the functionality of it in last week's podcast, but I didn't really give any opinions on on how I felt about the demo overall. I saw a storm of people tweeting about this and how overly excited they were and like they thought it was the most crazy thing they'd ever seen in their lives. I had that moment where I sort of felt, as Will Ferrell says in Zoolander, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Because yes, the tech is cool. I thought the guns were pretty interesting in terms of their design. Um, They had one that would ricochet bullets. They had one that would shoot through walls. Like, Cool. Interesting concepts here. But the dialogue was so bad that I was mostly cringing throughout the demo and and bad in terms of both writing and delivery. I didn't think the voice acting was very good. Maybe it's temporary. I don't know. Um, but to me, that was what concerned me the most was I was like, if this game is written as it, if, if this is indicated indicative of the rest of the game, I don't think I'll play this. Because I don't think I could handle it. I mean, Brittany, did you have... Yeah, I think it was actually you. You were the first person I expressed this complaint to. Um, it was a few hours after the demo, and I had thought about it and sunk in. But toward the end, it sounds like for you, you notice it from the get-go. But maybe yeah. my threshold's like a little more. Because it was toward the end when they were like driving away in their car. I was like, man, like that dialogue just seems real cringy. And it sucks because I think this world they've built 
is very fascinating. And like we talked earlier, no loading screens. Woohoo. Um, and the technology and the guns and this premise and a CD project red. And I think the first person is fine for me personally. It's like, I like the like Skyrim. I like playing first person games like that. It's fine. Um, but yeah, like that's a huge issue because this character is supposed to be us. And this is who we create in the beginning, but you don't relate to them. It's not like Geralt, right? Geralt is Geralt. He is who he is. So it's not like we had some sort of super personal attachment to what he said and what he did because we knew that we weren't really supposed to be him, but we are supposed to be. But you also could, you could, you could as Geralt, like make minute changes and how how lenient he was. No, that's very true. That's a good point. I think though, because he was his already established character, but with V, I don't know. And maybe V has their own personal backstory that makes sense as to why they talk and say these things. Uh, we don't know. Obviously, we just kind of got thrown into this 50-minute demo. Well, they said that you pick... It's sort of like, you remember Dragon Age Origins, where you pick very basic... um Like traits. Backstory elements. Sure. Like, oh, what's the defining moment in your life? So-and-so was killed, or you joined the circus. Like, whatever. Not yeah. Those aren't the exact <laughs> examples, obviously. But yeah, yeah. It's stuff like that that you can pick. But otherwise, yeah, I just feel like... The dialogue felt very forced to me. Yeah, that's exactly and, it. Uh, the other concern that I had, because I, I walked away from that demo, and the only character design I could really remember was the cultists. So there are these cultists that you come across in the demo where they have essentially become so obsessed with technology that they have replaced most of their body with with machinery. So they are mostly robots at this point. Like, you see kind of their face and it's mostly just it's just robot <laughs> but robot. like your your main buddy throughout the demo he looked like literally any you know could have been anybody don't know him from tom and then there's another lady in the demo that comes in later who's supposed to be working for this corporation and again i was just like i feel like a lot of these designs just feel super i think i walked away from that demo thinking generic mm-hmm this feels like a generic sci-fi game. And that's what was kind of freaking me out a little bit because everybody else was giving it, you know, tens or like this is the game of the show or whatever. And I just felt like maybe I was crazy. No, I don't think you're crazy. Your opinion is yours, Simon, and you are entitled to it and then some. I don't I don't think I didn't get the feeling of it's a generic sci-fi game. I mean, from what I saw, I was pretty much hooked, and it takes a lot for me to be hooked on a game like this i was really interested in the world i wanted to explore i wanted to meet some of these characters i wanted to look at the crime scene that was unfolding to the left of me and see what had happened there i wanted to immerse myself within this world um but i think what may have happened and i could be wrong is that you had read everyone's tweets and their praise going into this demo and i think your expectations were just completely through the roof and I know for me personally, if I have expectations like that going into something, you just look at it like super different lens. Whereas I just went into it slightly hungover. And I'm like, I've heard, I'm like, I've heard good things about this game. That's not to take away from the fact that I still think the demo is extremely impressive. And my hungoverness had nothing to do with like me liking the game more. I'm just saying, I sure. think I went into it expecting something good. And what I got was something yep. great. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I went in thinking like, this is going to be some defining thing. And again, I think the tech was very, was cool technology part of it. Great. Awesome. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's not why I would play an RPG. I'm not going to play an RPG because there are no loading screens. I'm not going to play an RPG because, um, 
I, my brain with the wine has just turned off. But you know, like like those yeah. aren't the reasons. The technology isn't why I'm playing wine does. this game. What I'm playing is for the story and the characters, characters and like, narrative and and, uh, and you know, yeah, yeah, being able to explore and discover new things. And so I think I was kind of immediately turned off just because of the way the character was speaking. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the demo I was just kind of like, eh, like hoping that the dialogue would somehow get better. Yeah, and, and it did, and it didn't. No, no, it's something that I definitely picked up on as well. Um, you know, there's still time, lots of time. Hopefully, no, there is. Yeah. But that's why I like I'm I'm worried because everyone's just like singing its praises, and I need someone to tell them like, hey, what you're doing tech wise here, really cool. But that's not to say that this what if you shipped what was it there right now that this would be an amazing. You, you game. are that person, Simer. You let them know. I know. That's why I'm. That's why I'm here. That's you're, you're here to do. bring everybody back down to the reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I will claw you back down with my kitty claws. Now we turn to our Assassin's Creed guru, Andrea Renee. That's because, me. Because Finlay, I don't know if that's how you say your name. I just like added that random act. Finlay has a question for you. Finlay. With Assassin's Creed Odyssey seeming to turn the franchise into everything I could ho- hope for player choice, dialogue, and especially romance options, can Andrea sell potential players on why Origins is still worth playing if she believes it to be? I'm undecided on whether to, as it obviously a large-time investment, as it is a large-time investment. Well, well, let me tell you. So uh, Assassin's Creed Origins was my number two favorite game of 2017. Number one, of course, being Horizon Zero Dawn. But... I would say it's definitely worth your time to go back and play because it'll give you a good solid foundation for the mechanics that they are introducing in Odyssey because Origins was a pretty big departure from the Assassin's Creed franchise in terms of gameplay, uh, meaning they've really instituted a, a more heavily RPG focus and they're taking that even one step further in Odyssey with the introduction of uh, conversation trees and the introduction of ability buttons and things like expanded skill trees. So I like that they are really kind of incorporating RPG mechanics to make it a hybrid genre. No longer is it like a straight like action adventure stealth open world game. Now it's a stealth action adventure RPG open world game. With banging. Which is kind of, which is kind of crazy to think about. With what did you say? With banging. Oh, yeah, romance options. So we only kind of scratched the surface on that, so we don't know how deep those are going to go. But um, I'm excited to see where it's going to where it's going to end up because clearly this franchise needed to do something. And we talked about this on our best of E3 last week, where I was really pumped about what we saw from Odyssey. We played, looks beautiful. The combat was great. The uh, uh, conversations felt fun and fully realized. Of course, the world building and the art is magnificent, but. I have been lacking and missing the kind of mysticism and the supernatural elements that the first civilization brought into the franchise in the early years. And I love that they're kind of giving hints that they're going to be bringing Greek mythology in. Obviously, we got a flash of a, like a, either a minotaur or a centaur, um, at, on the screen. That was a minotaur for sure. That's a bull. <laughs> and then we saw key art of Medusa. And so I, I definitely want to see them really lean into this and to nail it because I loved Origins and thought it was a great game. And if you never played it, 
definitely worth your time. Is it a time Here's, sink? I'm yes. Be- Just play it on easy. That, that's, yes. that's the I'm best a, recommendation. I'm going to be the contrarian and say you don't have to play it before you go in because I played Origins for a while and I well, well just because of the time like well, the when it's coming to, out. No, is it necessary? Of course not. But you should because the game's very good. Mm. Oh, <laughs> I'm not saying it's not very good. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you on that front. I'm saying for me as a, for me as a player, if I play two games that are too similar, I can't do them that close together. So for me, if I were you, and I would just wait for Odyssey and, and and roll with Odyssey because otherwise, if I started playing Origins right now, I probably would be fatigued and like I wouldn't necessarily want to play another one by the time Odyssey rolled around. I think that's totally a personal choice because I look at someone yeah. like my sister who played The Witcher back-to-back on every single difficulty as as a representation of a lot of other gamers out there, as people who want to replay the games that they have instead of necessarily moving to new experiences or who maybe want to go back and experience something different in the game that they just played. And if that is you, Finley, maybe you want to play Assassin's Creed Origins right now. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you're like Stein you're like, meh. Too much of the same. Too samey same. The only reason I said that is because of the of the part of the end where it says it's obviously a large time investment. So if you're thinking that that's already a large investment, do you want to do another large investment on top of that? Yeah, you do. Yes. For Odyssey when yes, that comes Yes, you do. Anyways, and now we're both I'm like, just yes. offering a different different gaming opinion. <laughs> All right. One more question because it would not be a What's Good Games podcast if we did not talk about Destiny. Gregory. Destino. Gregory wants to know. Andrea. And Simon. How do you feel yeah. about the loss of Cade 6 in Destiny 2 this September? What are your reactions to the revealed trailer about his fate? Do you believe he will truly never return, or may we see him again as Cade 7? Well, based Is off our conversation, with, so Deej came by the Facebook gaming studio, and we had a nice long chat with him about Destiny. It sounds like Cade is gone forever. I said Nathan Fillion, too expensive. Doesn't well, want to do no, I don't buy, I don't buy that. I, uh, cause who can afford him? Fucking Activision can, right? So like, no, I, I don't, I don't, and they had like a bunch of stars in Call of Duty. I don't think it's money. I think it's either Nathan Fillion's schedule that he's like, Hey, I've committed to these other projects and I just don't have time. Or they're like, listen, like we don't, what they have publicly said is that they want Forsaken to have stakes and it doesn't feel like there's any, narrative stakes in what's happening in this new wild west that they're setting up with this new enemy type unless they were to do something drastic and the most drastic thing they could think of was to get rid of a fan favorite character now whether or not you believe bungie's outward public statement or if there's something else behind it you know is, is something else but that's what they have said is that they wanted to lay down some real reasons why players should be invested in care about getting vengeance for Cade. But I feel like it's it's kind of like a DC Comics move or any comics move where it's like, shit, we need some stakes. What can we do? Kill off Superman. Oh, shit. People really liked Superman. Uh, Bring him back. He's back. Like, you know, like, so I'm worried. I do worry that they'll they'll do that move because I honest to God, as a light Destiny player, light to medium Destiny player, uh, Cade 6 is the only character I give a shit about. So if he's gone forever... Well, that's more of a deterrent for me than it is for like a. I'm I'm I with you because we we asked we asked Deej we were like, hey, does this mean that he's no longer in the tower or that he no longer has the Cade stash? Like, who are you gonna get your scout maps from? And they're like, 
well, guess you're going to have to wait and see. And I'm yeah. like, really? I find it interesting. I like the concept, not of killing him off, but I like the concept of these expansions or these new contents changing fundamentally how the world works. I think that's cool. And I think that's what they should do more of. Um, so yeah, if the cage dashes go away, maybe it's like something brand new that's happening or, um, so I like that aspect of it. I think they should explore that more. I just think killing off Kate Six when he's the one distinguishable character, maybe not the best. Yeah, it just seems weird. Cause but we'll see. As also a light, very, very light. If you're light to medium, I'm like light as fuck. As a light as fuck Destiny player, <laughs> it just seems weird. You don't see this often, right? Where they will kill off characters like this in a public trailer. Like Generally, I feel like that's a story arc that you have to play the game to find out. So do you think that's the only reason? This was a call to arms, not a call to arms, but this is like a hail mary. Well, and that's every what Destiny I'm saying. Player. You know, is are they so? I don't want to use the word desperate. I don't think that's the right word here. But to to raise the stakes and prove that that there's this is a very important thing happening in the Destiny franchise, and you should care that they're going to publicly kill off a character like that, or like that's why I'm having a hard time believing that he's gone for good. It just seems. I'm interested now, and I've actually been talking about getting into Destiny 2, maybe even like this week, this weekend, because it's starting to sound real good. But now I'm like, dang, I don't want Kate to or die. Or you could wait and then just boost your character immediately with nah, the expansion. I like, to, I like to do the grind. So I don't know. It's interesting. A little bump and grind. I'm with you. Um, Thanks, baby. Also, someday, Brittany, you'll play Destiny, and we will have... The WGG fire team that was meant to be. Oh, yes. I will be real the bad. The good guardians have been raiding. We've been making those callous runs. We've been getting our light level up. I jumped in this weekend, did a bunch of stuff. Just saying. Don't expect anything from me. I will maybe kill a few things and I will run around confused and dazed <laughs> and lost. I will throw my grenades off of cliffs. But you're a titan, which is great because it mixes it up because we're both hunters. Good. I will do my best. I will be there. I see you to carry me. God, trying to play uh, Warlock and Gambit was real hard. Hell no. For me. That, I was like, I'm so floaty. I can't. No. I don't know what's happening. I, I want to go over here and I'm like, wee. Nope. He's still floating. Yeah, that's why I, I made. Uh, so Jose Sanchez played with us and I made him give me the hunter station. I was like, I want the hunter. Yeah. Even though I'm going to be honest, my first play session did not really like the hunter's new super. Which one is that? Which one? It was like a it was like a modified blade dancer essentially, but it was like a mm-hmm. void it was like a void dancer. Hmm. I don't remember what it's called. Didn't really like it. But maybe I just didn't know how to use it properly, which is possible. But I just feel like the hunter supers are kind of shitty. She says that she sold. They feel like they look they kind of are no, though. I, I agree cute. with you. No, it was really cute. Because <laughs> I think we're just the coolest looking. And yeah. so they get, they're like, well, they can't possibly also have the coolest powers because then no one's going to want to be anything other than a sweet ass hunter with a sweet well, ass game. We also have the best mobility and the best jumps, right? For the, oh, absolutely the best jumps. Yeah. So that's good. But yeah, I'm just like the supers. Can you imagine if we could telesplode? Right? That's too OP. Like when they were that's talking insane. about how that's going to break the game in a good way, I was like, no, 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 no. It's just going to break the game. Good. Period. End of sentence. Ugh. I don't know. Okay. okay, we've been rambling on about E3. Um, 
thank you all for sending in your questions. Again, if you guys are interested in being part of the conversation on the show every week, patreon.com slash watch good games is that dear WGG level. Um, and of course, if you subscribe or pledge at a higher level, you automatically get that included. And, uh, we love hearing from you guys. We, uh, love taking your questions. So I'm trying to think if there's, uh, it's weird not having have... a million things of housekeeping to talk about. Cause it's I like know, we did the thing. Right? Yeah. Cause we've done the thing. Oh, actually next week, June 29th or June 30th. I don't know if we've settled on a date yet. We'll be doing our Patreon exclusive happy hour. Probably Q&A. the thirtieth. Probably the thirtieth. Yeah. Okay. So the day of kind of I get in prom. late on the yeah. 20th. So it'll be sometime in the morning, probably. Oh, or early the stream. I know, right? Brunch stream. Hey. Yes. Um. So normally we do, of course, an evening stream, but because it's a Saturday. Um, we're thinking of doing something earlier in the day. So if you're a patron and you have thoughts about this, uh, leave us a note at, on the Patreon page or email us at contact at whatsgoodgames.com and let us know. I think this would be a great way for maybe us to get some of our international Oy, patrons Gov. involved. Absolutely. Because it'll be at a more reasonable time for people, particularly in the Europe time zones. So, um, you know, let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. And, uh, we're still working on that, uh, that t-shirt tier. I'm not going to lie. We might be changing it. Yeah. So, uh, we're working. <laughs> we're working. If there's anything it. that I'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah. Just let it. Yeah. If there's anything you want to see, so, you know, Patreon tier that we haven't implemented, just let us know. Contact at whatsgoodgames.com. We want to hear from you. We want to please the people, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we do. We the Thank you for holding up the pillow. That's what she said. Okay, so um, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much to everybody who stopped by and said hi to us at E3. Once again, if you want to check out any of our Facebook gaming live coverage that you missed, facebook.com slash E3 Expo. Just click the videos in front of the menu on the left-hand side. You can see our GameSpot co-op stage appearance with Jake Baldino over at youtube.com slash GameSpot or at GameSpot.com. And don't forget we had our discussion live from E3 on the show last week if you missed the podcast or if you want to see some uh, brand new gameplay footage that was debuted at E3 last week, youtube.com slash what's good games. As always, hit that subscribe, smash that bell for those notifications. We love that you guys support the show. Even if you can't do it financially, we understand that not everybody can. Just hitting that subscribe button, leaving us a rating on podcast services does so much to help us out. So uh, a little bit of your time is all we ask. Uh, thank you again so much to everybody and have a fantastic weekend. Bye.